Blog Talk Radio. Morell gets a test here and at least gets some, some 
quality rounds in it. I mean, that's at the minimum. Now, I will say this. Today was kind of busy for me, so I wasn't able to watch that ESPN Plus uh, card from Japan. Um, so I'm not going to be doing a recap of that. I heard it was a great card. I mean, all three fights I was interested in. I just couldn't stay up late enough to watch the whole card. And then, like I said, had a couple of things that I had to take care of today. So I'm definitely going to have a future segment. Uh, maybe I'm going to do the show maybe next Sunday. I'm not really sure yet. Uh, but I want to do a segment on that because I heard it was some, some good, good action. I've been trying to kind of stay away from it. Um, I mean, I know the winners and all that, but as far as the action, I heard it was really fun. So if you're looking for that ESPN Plus um, early morning, late night edition from last night, like I said, I, I, you know, by the time the next show comes, whether it's Sunday or Tuesday or whatever, I'm definitely going to have a segment on that. We do have a variety of news, whether it's current fight news uh, being discussed. David Benavidez, promoter. So this is, we have a little audio from fight hype about Samson boxing talking about David Benavid as a planned fight for May and June and it's not that it's a head scratcher but it's kind of a head scratcher the, the fight itself is a great matchup but kind of the exact not kind of the exact um, opposite name that David Benavides was saying on fight hype a few weeks back so kind of interesting there like I said I'm not saying I don't like the fight I really do it's just kind of surprising um, there is a little bit more quotes and a little bit more from the interviews for Connor Ben you know he's basically claiming contamination he relinquished his license we found out there was two failed um, you know tests all the way Eddie Hearn clearly lied about it I mean that's not being slanderous so he he was sitting there beating down reports from that second failed test um, in many interviews. And uh, sure enough, there was a second failed test. So some of these quotes really talk about a head scratcher in that other news. This shit is like, really, dude, this is your angle? This is your angle. Uh, Ryan Garcia uh, pleaded his case on Twitter couple of words in there are really key if you read between the lines you don't even really need to read between the lines the lines right there in the tweet um, he's doing exactly what I said he had the power to do and I'm not saying he's playing insubordinate right now but there is potential that that could come after this you never know but either way he's doing his due diligence I believe um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. You know, there hadn't been any word from Terrence Crawford for a little while. He is now active on Twitter, especially today. Supposedly in a couple hours, he's going to do an IG live. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and we do have a little bit more information. You know, Spence, there was that leaked audio with uh, Spence before he found out about the Crawford fight not happening not happening he, he sounds like he's going to announce the fight here soon based off of his twitter and jake donovan was on the jake and lefty show on saturday and jake had a variety of uh details when it comes to the negotiations and what showtime is willing to do to make this fight you know whether it's global rights whether there's some money exchanged 
they're looking like they're bending over backwards uh, to make this fight. A lot of people want this fight to happen for obvious reasons. We'll give you a little update on some of the things that Jake Donovan said on that show. Um, pretty interesting, man. And, and like I said, it's, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. We'll see how all this goes. Anyway, um, like I said, we, we normally start in the ring, and that's where we're going to start in just a second. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, well, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope, though. Download the show there directly or listen to the browser. Find this Rope and Dope Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and a host of other platforms. It's available on. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start for a limited time only at four four dollars forty nine ninety nine for two months. If you go with the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of Showtime, Stars, Cinematics, and Epics. Um, that's a hundred and sixty dollar value. Remember, a Direct TV stream is the best of live TV and on demand. There's no hidden fees, no annual contracts. Uh, Speaking of the hidden fees, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without those hidden fees. Um, that's Direct TV Stream, um, and I still believe they have that Showtime deal: three months for five fifty per month. Um, just, just a little heads up. My neighbor is doing something outside that's kind of loud right now. I don't know if he, it sounds like he's blowing leaves or something. So if you're hearing that, you know my apologies. What what am I gonna do? You know what I mean? What am I gonna do? Um, so yeah, let's start in the ring. Like I said, we normally like to do interesting fight here with Lomachenko and Ortiz in the main event on ESPN plus, um, Ortiz for me, won the first couple of rounds. He was jabbing fairly well, moving well as well. (laughs) I mean, he was kind of containing Loma's pressure. Um, he had a nice late body shot as well. Um, to me, you know, I, I thought he won the first two rounds. There was a little bruising from like a cuff. Um, I think it was the tape on the glove, a little cuff. Uh, it wasn't a from a punch, but there, on Loma, there was a little bruise kind of early in that fight. Um, and Ortiz in that second round brought a little pressure of his own behind the jab and a few left uh, hooks kind of early and midway through uh, Loma kind of took over the pressure from there, but he just, he was mostly landing jabs. He, he wasn't really landing much clean. The third round I thought was a competitive round. Um, Ortiz closed decently, but I thought um, a late combination, a nice few left hands was basically like what won Loma the round. Once again, though, the fourth round I gave to Ortiz, I thought his pocket and hand speed was impressive. You know, he, he had some nice – he was busier. He had, a, he had a combo to kind of finish the round. Um, Loma still had a good jab in that round and landed some left hands. But it was kind of interesting to see 
a fighter using some of the things with the angles and the footwork and the hand speed and the quick combos and leaving the pocket or at least using an angle to get away from them. It's kind of interesting to see someone use that on Lomachenko, but, you know, it didn't last all that long. I gave the fifth, sixth, and seventh to uh, Loma for me. I thought um, he was starting to close the gap. There'd be some minor success, a couple of good shots in the fifth round to the body by Ortiz. But other than that, um, he was countering well. He was throwing little combinations, um, a nice left hook during an exchange, like under a fifth round. Um, So, yeah, I thought Loma kind of took over the fight there, uh, countering right over Ortiz's jab, more and more getting that timing, landing the cleaner shots. and Ortiz, you know, from five to seven, he had these little moments, these little flurries, but the straight left hand, um, the right hand with the jab or a right hook kind of switching it into it, which is something we see a lot from Loma. He, he really took this fight back over, in my opinion, uh, through round seven. But then Ortiz, I thought, had a pretty good round eight. Uh, he was body punching. He was a little bit more active. He was trying you know, applying some more pressure at times. And it didn't seem like Loma was able to land many clean shots in that round. Now, the ninth round was very, very close, slower round, but a, but a close round. I thought maybe, like, there was a nice some body work and a nice uppercut from Loma. Maybe he won that round. I don't know. Um, then I gave him definitely the tenth round, the lead left hand, the jab left right hook. Um, and you could see Ortiz was fading some. You could definitely see Ortiz was fading. Um, the 12th was a close round, um, but I thought the 11th was Loma for sure, landing the harder shots and, like I said, really timing him overall. Uh, but a very good effort by Ortiz. I do want to say that. I mean, the punch stats kind of bear that out, 125 to 122 as far as landing in favor of Loma. Um, Loma had the jabs, 33 to 15, but the power shots, 107 and 92. As we know, a power shot is just not a jab, so I'm not trying to say he had all these crazy, you know, power shots or something. But they both threw a decent amount of punches. Uh, Loma barely got out, worked 607 to 571, 22% to 20% from Loma. 22% landing is not great for him overall. Um, So Ortiz, like I said, put a great effort forward. No doubt about, you know, he there's he shouldn't take any kind of step back. I had it about eight to four, seven, four, one, maybe seven to five, something like that. Uh, the scorecards read 115, 113, 116, 112, and then 117, 111, which I did not agree. I thought you could give three out of the first four rounds to Ortiz. So if you already got the three rounds there, then you're saying he didn't win it any round past then. I mean, the eighth and ninth were pretty close. So... I thought that was a bullshit card, but overall, I thought the right guy won. Loma didn't look great, but I don't think he looked as bad as everybody's saying either, you know? Um, And maybe we just kind of underestimated Ortiz. I mean, he's a guy that has looked pretty good. I mean, he looked very good in spots, um, you know, in his his last fight. Adorno, he had that draw with, but where he, you know, he showed some weakness in there or whatever. But this is, I think, well, this was his first 12-round fight, so that probably didn't help. But Herring, he looked pretty good in that fight. So maybe he was, I think he was just a little underestimated. Um, 
And I haven't thought Loma looked – Loma at 135, for me, has really never looked great. Um, but then again, I, and, and like I said, he's getting older, but I don't think he's over the hill. I don't think he's past it. You know, it took him a little while to get going. But then after that, I thought he looked pretty good in spots. I didn't uh, – this whole, oh, he's done, he's trash. It's almost like they're just setting it up you know, with the Devin Haney fight to just be like, ah, it was over anyway, you know. That seems next, Lomachenko and Devin Haney. Um, from what's been reported, we don't know exactly how long, you know, the contract is, whether it's three fights in an auction that they had on Haney. Obviously, he's had two fights on ESPN already against Cambosas. Um, Willie had to Sign like a, a multi-fight extension with top rank to get this fight. I'm not quite sure. I mean, if you're thinking about wanting Loma, which he does, and then if you're thinking about going to 140, which at some point he's got to do if you saw him at the last weigh-in, and it's nothing new about, you know, 135 and Haney being tough to make. No, I shouldn't say that. Not in his last fight, but at the scale, he looked pretty drawn there. So... I think it'd be worth it if, if they say, hey, we need some options on you or we need you for a couple more fights. I think it'd be worth it to get that Loma fight because the Loma fight's not a guarantee to be on uh, pay-per-view either. You know, maybe there'd be enough money in there just to straight up do it on ESPN, maybe on ESPN+. Plus. It doesn't have to be a pay-per-view per se. Um, if it is, it is. You know, no big deal there, but um, I'm clearly going to buy it, but I'm saying as far as exposure, ESPN at times has been able to put on some pretty big fights um, just on regular ESPN or ESPN Plus, so that would be the hope. Key Ramirez, um, you know, not just took, took care of Romero. Who's a solid guy? He's gone the distance with fighters you're very familiar with. Uh, that looping left hand right off the bat, yeah, first round. Uh, scored a knockdown. I think it was first round. It was early in the fight. Um, and then the ninth round, uh, later in that fight, Ramirez, pretty one-sided fight. Uh, buzzed him with a left hook. Then he threw a nice combination. Two, maybe three left hands. TKO, ninth round, over. Robisky Ramirez took that first L, and he's looked good ever since, man. You know, it took him a couple of fights to look a little bit better, I guess you could say. But now it really looks like that pro style is he's adjusted. I mean, to me, it really looks like it. So I'm excited to see where he goes next. Young fighter with so much potential. And like I said, it maybe that's that loss, you know, that stunning loss. Maybe that's the best thing that happened to him. Man. But, yeah, he looked really good. It seems like we already know he's got the skill and the hand speed and all that. Pretty slick dude at times, but his power looks real, too. So we'll see, uh, you know, where he, what happens at Featherweight, but there are some fights, obviously, out there for him. Um, and then, let's see, uh, Richard Torres Jr., um, like two minutes in the first round, left hand. Um, it was he, had, he landed like a combo and then a nice left hand. Um, for a knockdown, uh, he landed a couple more flurries, uh, then like a left hand at range, 
then um, another left hand. Wookie got up close. It, it, there was it was a mismatch. It was done. Which you know I understand. Richard Torres Jr. doesn't have a ton of fights. TKO third round. Um, we got to see more of him because he he is pretty wide open. Looks like he's got power. Looks like he can put his punches together. Um, but it's a wait and see, in my opinion, on him. But hey, he took care of business. You know, no doubt about it. Um, then you have the phenom Abdullah Mason. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, he was using his skills. He would do these nice combinations. I think in the third third round, it was a combination. I think a left hand was the thing that put him down his opponent. Second knockdown, I think, was a counter left. Um, and then the fourth round, TKO, got it done. Um, also, Nico Walsh won a six-rounder. Um, not much in that fight. Nico didn't look any worse or any better, you know what I mean? But he won uh, one of the – or actually two of them had a little tight, 58-56. Or, that, you know, that's that's 4-2. And then one had it 59-55. I wasn't really scoring that round per round, just to be honest with you. Um, so that about wraps up um, the card overall. Obviously, you know, we got to see more Ramirez. That dude, Robisi, is – a talent man he is a talent uh, but then obviously we all assume Lomachenko and Haney's next and uh, like I said it, it I don't know the exact contract on that so you know we'll see how that works out a lot of times people want options on you or maybe there's already an option you know for a potential fourth fight in the contract maybe it is a four fight contract already we really don't know the exact detail, but it did sound like it was a three-fight deal. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure that if, if there's a chance he could leave, I'm sure they probably want some, hey, you know, sign for three more fights and an option or something. Like I said, um, they've been giving him pretty damn good press overall, uh, you know, relatively speaking. But, but the, his ratings, you know, back-to-back really good ratings. So uh, it'd be nice to see Devin um, – Stay on ESPN, to be honest with you, because a Lomachenko fight would be huge for him. And then it's not like top rank doesn't have people at 140 to fight. <laughs> they surely do. So I think it would be really, really good for him to stay. But let's hope they can at least make that Loma Haney fight, which, you know, it sounds like that's the fight they want to make. So, um, and by the way, uh, Katie Taylor did win over the weekend. It's not part of the that card it was on uh zone um taylor pretty much you know dominated the fight uh against uh, uh karabah um in the fourth round there was kind of a fire fight where karabah was off the ropes but taylor got lit up a couple times uh you know um she got clipped a little bit but overall um pretty much this was from dublin first uh First professional boxing event, I think, since, did they say 2016? They talked about that stadium that fills 80,000 spectators, where that's where she wants to do her next fight, or a fight with Serrano. But yeah, she took care of business. I mean, a round or two, maybe, from Carbaja. Like I said, her best moments are probably in that fourth round (laughs) and that little. But overall, 191, 99, 91, 98, 92. Um, 
Carbaha definitely was working in there. She threw 431 to 280, uh, but she only landed 18% compared to Taylor, who landed 35%, 97 to 77. So Katie Taylor, um, you know, did finish off uh, the weekend with a nice win um, and looked pretty good doing it. Looked pretty good doing it. Like I said, there was that moment where there was a little firefight and she got clocked with some pretty good shots. Um, we will talk a little bit about Kiko Martinez, age, what is he, 35 or 36 now? Upset over Jordan Gill. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, Hector Valdez, Max Ornelias fight, which I thought was a ridiculous uh, scorecard. I-, I think that's pretty obvious. But let's get into, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the Jake Paul stuff too. Okay, calm down a little bit. But Joseph Diaz versus William Zapata and Zapata. Zapata, sorry. It's Zapata. Someone just <laughs> someone literally just texted me like, hey dude, it's Zapata. Stop. I guess I should have said that earlier. It's funny. Zapata. Zapata. Sorry. Um I mean shit. The first four rounds with all Zapata. I mean busier. You know, landed to the body, landing um hooks, galore. Just being the aggressor overall, very aggressive, you know, had a solid jab as well. Thudding body shots, hooks to the body, hooks to the head. You know, at times Diaz would land a little body shot or or a nice uppercut. I do remember that. But there was a moment in that fourth round, the last maybe 30 seconds, that Diaz closed pretty well. But then I thought, you know, the the jab in, in straight left hands from Zapata, Zapata, um, won the fifth round too. Now I did think Diaz started to get his groove back a little bit in the sixth and seventh. Um, Thirty seconds into the round, really nice hook. I think it was a right hand too that landed flush in a late left hand um, by Diaz. That was that was a damn good round. Uh, he definitely for me landed the better shots in the seventh as well, but then Zapata just took the fight over. He was outlanding him, landing the better shots. Like I said, that steady jab, um, and just a, you know, fair amount of the time he was landing his shots. It was, I mean, this guy, talk about copy box stuff, the, the volume, the combination, just in general, um, just beat him up, just beat him up. It looked like Diaz was just done it looked like he didn't have the energy to fight back most of the fight. And it looked like the out-of-the-ring stuff just caught up with him. And, and maybe he never wins this fight. Maybe it's just a bad style from the size and, and all that. But um, beyond a few moments, or a few rounds, I guess you'd say, and a few moments you know, here and there within the rounds, but the Peta just dominated. I mean, the scorecards had it about right. 118, 110 is what I had, but the two other had it 119, 109. But the combi box, dude, 398 landed to 176. And 176 is a lot of punches thrown or landed. 607 is a, is a good amount at 29% clip. That's that's really good. But 398 out of 1536. I mean, and even the jabs, 86 to like, or what was it? Um, Zapata had one, oh, my bad, 157 to 49. I mean, <laughs> that was crazy in the body work, 172 to 62. 
and he got him on yeah, like he got him on jabs. I mean, three ninety eight on a if you threw fifteen hundred and thirty six punches, that was just talk about outworking somebody. I mean, holy crap. That was uh you know, Zapata really hadn't fought many uh contender guy like hadn't really fought a contender like a full-on contender, fought a gatekeeper and looked a little limited, to be honest with you. Looked a little like, oh, I don't know about this. But uh, William Zapata, Zapata, Jesus Christ, he looked damn good, looked like a wrecking machine. And I don't want to take much credit away from JoJo looking like mediocre because, you know, this is a great performance by him and, I mean, there's plenty of fights out there for him, whether they'll be on the zone, whether you have to go, you know, across the street. I, obviously, that's an issue there. But uh, Ryan Garcia, if he doesn't get a fight with Tank, knock on wood, that happens. Or after the Tank fight, you know, Zapata is a great opponent for him, no doubt about it. So they got something here. No, You know, I, I think there's no doubt about it. He, he, he rose to the occasion. Like I said, did Joseph Diaz Jr. look great? No. Not not particularly. It didn't look like he was in tip-top shape. It did sound like um, there was, from the sounds of it, it was reported a couple by a couple of folks saying that they, so it was, you know, it wasn't a 135 sanctioned fight per se. I think this is like 136 or 137, 136. But it sounded like Joseph Diaz, uh, you know, Jr. needed, but uh, I'm not sure about that for a fact. But when you see him in the ring, comparatively, it, you know, those up and down performances. I don't think he looked that down against Haney. To be honest with you, I just think Haney's a better fighter. But he has been up and down, and this one was kind of down for him. I'd have to say. But like I said, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to take away credit from I was I was pretty impressed I was pretty impressed you know I haven't been too high on this guy but he stepped up his game no matter what form of you know Diaz was in there and uh, clearly this will help you know his ranking he does have a pretty good ranking um, in the WBA Um, he's got got a decent ranking in the WBO. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cambosis would be a good fight for him. There's there's plenty of fights out there for him. Ortiz would be a great fight. I don't know if, you know, if they want to do that per se, uh, top rank, or if they want to move him someplace else. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it'd be a good fight for Stevenson coming up right away. That, that's for sure. Isak Cruz would be a great fight. Frank Martin would be a great fight. There's a lot of great fights for him. But, you know, as we know, there is some issues sometimes, right? So maybe, you know, maybe it's not, uh, I don't know, maybe there might be a little bit of an issue uh, for obvious reasons, you know. But um, we'll see. All right. I'm getting the strangest message. Wow. This is Okay, um, so yeah, uh, that's about, in, oh, Rocha, Al, uh, 
Alexis Rocha had a, a, a game tough dude in Jesus Perez in front of him. Um, so he got through it. He had to work for it. So it was a good fight for him that way. That's for sure. Um, and I thought, you know, he came out there, you know, ahead. I mean, he, he won the fight clearly. It was a tough fight though. It wasn't an easy fight. No doubt about it. But yeah, I mean, dude was game and I thought he got some good rounds. So did he look phenomenal? No, but I thought people were a little down um, on him, to be honest with you. So Rocha did come out of there. Like I said, it's been a tough, like a tough dude. He was a tough dude. I think that's a, a good way to put it. Um, that Jesus Perez, I thought he was really tough, man. I thought he was a good fighter. Um, now, as far as the undercard goes, um, let me see here. Um, oh, yeah, Hector Valdez Jr. and Max Ornel- Ornelius. Is it or- 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 Ornelas? I thought I thought this was a bullshit decision, I'll be honest with you. If you look at the first, let's say, the rounds one through three, uh, Max was landing nice combinations, and then, boom, he'd be out of the pocket. Movement really well throughout the fight. Valdez, you know, in those first few rounds, wasn't really cutting off the ring. He would land maybe a few over those rounds to the to the body, mostly as one you know one shot at a time. Um, the fourth and fifth lead right hands to go along with those point combinations in that movement. I thought was was winning him most of the rounds there. Whereas once again Valdez was just following him. Um, he landed more left hands to the body. I think that was probably his best punch. Uh, throughout the fight, but once again, just one shot at a time, he was landing. Um, round six and seven, mostly jabs uh, by Max. Uh, he was starting to be able to counter with the right hand, and Valdez, once again, not cutting off the ring, missing you know, shots. He just wasn't being efficient, wasn't being effective with his, uh, with him cutting off the rope, or cutting off the ring, you know? Um, in the eighth round, there was a really nice left hand, Bel Valdez. Once again, um, the jab and movement in the ninth round, Max had that going. Um, Ornelas, you know, landed combinations to the body when he was up close in that tenth round. Overall, I thought he won cleanly. You know, I, I, I don't – I was kind of watching. I wasn't scoring it 100%. It was kind of one of those fights where it was like, oh, wow, this is – this is a good fight, and I was just kind of writing down notes. So, but I did have, I did have Max winning the fight. Uh, one scorecard had it 97-93 for him, but then Valdez had the split decision 97-93 both. I'm not saying it was a shutout, but you know, I mean, the four rounds would be that that you know four rounds is enough you know to give them. There's really I just don't see uh, Valdez winning six rounds in that fight. I just don't see it. I, I really don't. I, I just don't. I don't know what the hell they're looking at. So it was a bad, bad decision. And a good performance by Max. He looked pretty good out there. Scoring points, quick combos, you know, landing some 
counters and landed some good shots from time to time, too. The other fight that I want to talk about before we get a little bit of Jake Paul Anderson Silva was uh, Kiko Martinez pulling the upset over Jordan Gill. Uh, and like I said, is he 35 or 36? Something like that. Martinez is getting up there, but wow. I mean, this was a nice little win for him. Jordan Gill was busier, though, in the first round. Aven threw up the, the punch stats 27 to 63 at 43% compared to 8 to 35, 23% by Gill. So he got a really good start, you know, I thought. Um, second round. Gill was still landing punches, but you started to see him move more and move more. And, and uh, Kiko started landing his hooks. Um, and, you know, good jab, left hooks, some right hands as well from Gill. I, I thought he still had a good second round, but like I said, it seemed like some of that body work and the hooks in general were already finding a home to where, and I know Gill is an outside fighter. He moves plenty i've seen other you know a couple other fights or whatever but he was moving all of a sudden a lot considering it's the second round and then i think 30 seconds into round three big right hand drops gill uh kiko landed a left hand to the body um then a nice right hand to the head a couple more big right hands gill on the move jabbing he, he landed a couple of nice counters with his left hook but uh, then, like, a short uppercut in the last 20, 30 seconds dropped him again. It was a 10-7 round in the third round for Kiko. Gil came out with the quick combinations, right? But Kiko steady walking through him, walking right through Gil's punches like he had no respect for him. Overhand rights, hooks, uppercuts. Um, I think the knockdown came from a right hand, if I'm not mistaken, and then a left hook with another knockdown, and by that time, David Coldwell, the corner, threw in the towel, TKO, fourth round. Kiko does it again, man. You know, I love me some veteran fighters. And someone said he was 36. Thank you for that. Um, I love me some veteran fighters, you know, and I just love when these guys uh, pull off these type of upsets, man. I mean, I don't even know. I, I remember saying that could be a good fight. And thinking, you know, I, I, I don't even know how much of an underdog he was. If it was like a heavy, heavy, you know, uh, underdog or what. But, man, I mean, <laughs> that was fun. That was a whole lot of fun. Um, so we'll see, you know, where Kiko goes. He, he wants a big opportunity. Um, oh, yeah, I'll do the Jake Paul, Anderson Silva stuff. Now, like I said, I watched this maybe 18, 20-minute video of highlights of each round. So I'm just being honest. These are just notes that I took watching that. Usually I can – like I don't live stream and steal, um, but I'll watch – you know, if it's on YouTube or someplace, it's what it is. It's fair game. It's the uh, YouTube or wherever else. It would be it's their fault, not mine, you know. Um, and so I'm not saying live stream. I'm saying whether it's later that night, a couple days after, whatever. That's where I'll I'll check it out if I don't pay for the pay per view and it's available someplace else. As far as just uh, you know, a replay of it, 
then it's not illegal for me to watch. It's more, you know, illegal for them to have it on their website. So, you know, I couldn't find one. I, now, I didn't look hard, but usually you don't have to look all that hard, and you'll find And I'm not talking about live stream. Once again, I'm talking about the replay, and usually you can find it pretty fairly easily. Now, you know, what quality the replay will be in, sometimes it's sped up, sometimes it's slowed down, sometimes it's perfect. That's kind of hit or miss. The highlights, um, it's a highlight, but it was kind of an extended highlight package. So it was actually kind of a cool thing to watch the fight in like 18 minutes, 20 minutes. So I got enough of it of each round. Um, I thought Jake, here's my notes from it. Jake uh, landed to the head and body with some power shots, but he was missing a fair fair amount too. Um, Really, Silva, not much. Otherwise, I mean, beyond a, a left hand, you know, um, Paul was jabbing pretty well. Silva in the second round did apply some more pressure, landed a nice uppercut early in that round. But then that was about it. Silva really was, like, containing himself. In the round three, there was some back and forth. Paul with the, the jabs, and then he landed, like, a couple of looping left hands that found a home or were close to finding a home for Silva in the third round. Uh, both landing pretty good right hands in the fourth. Uh, probably Jake, uh, maybe two more or something like that. Um, I did think the fifth round, I thought Silva won that clearly. He was landing just better, his, his late left hand too, short uppercuts. He was landing the better shots. Um, and the sixth round seemed like Paul was kind of steady with it, like winning the round, but then Silva did close stronger. So that could have been kind of up and down there. Um, in the seventh round, Paul landed the double jab to the body and head. I like his jab to the body a lot. Just being more active and just not active enough in round seven at all for Silva. Um, then a right hand landed clean during a combination. Um, and then like a lead overhand right. Um, knocked him down, knocked him down in that last round. Silva had some moments. The knockdown, Silva put himself in a weird position, and it was kind of it was a good right hand because it was open. You know, he, he saw the target, see target, hit target. So I thought he did a good job at that. But even when he walked off, you could tell he didn't have a ton of power. It's more like an arm punch, and they were kind of both tired by then. And uh, Silva was able to apply some pressure that bothered Paul and got him out of his just coming forward and landing the jab and looking decent. Um, at times he was moving a little bit, uh, Jake Paul, but mostly it was Silva. Eh, maybe not, mo- I don't know. He was on the outside a decent amount, but he would mix it up and, and come forward too. Um so this was like his closest fight, but for Jake Paul to still get the knockdown and everything like that, now obviously Silva at age 47 is not going to be as explosive and all that. But I did look, I did, I did. It seemed like Jake Paul was looking a little. I mean, I can understand being faded at the end of this fight, but yeah, he just didn't look as good. Wasn't as clean punching and in. Even though the hands are down with Silva, he can duck out of the way and make his opponent look somewhat bad. So I didn't think Jake looked great on, other, on some levels. But on other levels, I thought, damn, that 
jabs in the head and body, the overhand rights when they were there to score, the body work. Like I said, it was just a heads-up move. It's like, wow, I got Silva right in front of me. He's going to throw this right hand. And he even looked funny when he walked off. You could tell he was tired. You know, he's like, all right, I scored a knockdown. But there wasn't much of a reaction uh, right away. It was, it was a funky knockdown. You know, it was one of those that they both kind of looked amateurish uh, in that in that moment, I guess you could say. But, hey, you got to give credit to Jake Paul. I mean, you know, you may not like him. That's cool. I, I, I get it. But, you know, he, he's, he rubs people the wrong way because that's what he does. I know a lot of uh, MMA and UFC fans are getting pissed at him. Keeps fighting MMA fighters, but you know a lot of these MMA dudes say you know he shouldn't even be in the ring, and he's going to knock him out. So that's kind of been the whole shtick. Um, I think the way the reason why this promotion didn't get a little more buzz and hype is because they they barely argued and stuff like that. So it was kind of like. More like lovey-dovey stuff. You know what I mean? So, and that's okay, too. We've seen plenty of fighters be cool to each other and then just bring each other through hell, you know, in the ring. But this one was like my idol, and he's got a picture when he was 13 or whatever with him. And, and so there was no disrespect, basically, whatsoever. Um, and even when they tried to do the tattoo bet, Silva was like, well, hold on, dude. You know, you're already probably going to get a spider, you know, um, a spider uh, tattoo anyway, you know. So um, it was a little weird that way. Um, are you guys hearing that in the background? To where I am. So I hope you guys aren't hearing that. Um, it is what it is. You know, there's not much I can do about it. I thought it was kind of done. Uh, before I started the show. But if you are, I apologize. You know, it is what it is. Hopefully you're not hearing it too much. Uh, but, yeah, it seemed like the person was done with what they were doing. So that's not the case. Anyway, um, so all in all, I mean, Nate Diaz has to be next. I, is he out of his contract? Or still got one more fight? I, I don't know. I think he's going to be out of his contract. I don't know. I don't know how what his contract is, but Nate Diaz, this this one really stands out because we all know boxer, right? He's been in camps with Andre Ward, and there's just so many things you can sell with him, right? So many things, and so and then the mouth. I mean, these guys are going to talk crazy shit. Uh, there was, you know, there was clips of teams getting a little feisty in the back. Some of that looked overdone, but then again, I didn't go really looking for deeper clips, pause to uh, to see if a bunch of punches were thrown or anything like that. I saw like beers, waters, and stuff like that getting thrown. Moses getting thrown. No, I don't know. Bahama Mamas. I don't know. Then Long Islands were getting thrown. Beers. I don't know. It didn't look like it was all that crazy, but him and Nate Diaz would sell. I mean, if that number, what was it, 500,000, I think it was with uh, Woodley, I mean, they, they'll do that easy with ATS, in my opinion. I mean, it has to be at the right time or whatever if, if it's a super busy, 
you know, Super Bowl weekend or some shit, which that wouldn't make sense because it's not going to turn around quite that quick. But you know what I'm saying. Like, I think this one would sell, and it's just Diaz is older, no doubt about it, but he's not 47. And what he can do as a B-side as far as talking shit, get that fight. But um, I think Jake's even said, hey, if you want to set that fight up, I'll come over there. But I'm not going to waste any more of my money. Um, So, yeah, overall, a really fun weekend with a variety of fights. Like I said in the beginning, I did not get to see, you know, this morning's card, I guess you could say, late last night, early this morning. Couldn't stay up late enough to do it. Had too much stuff to do during the day. So next week I will have a segment on that card because I heard it was fun on paper. It looked like that triple header was phenomenal. There was a four fights. It was three that I was really interested in. So we'll see. I'm hearing great things. I'm hearing like possible, you know, a fighter of the year came out of this. I'm hearing a round five, but round of the, excuse me, round of the year. So, um, you know, can't report on it right now, but uh, next week, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'll have uh, a segment on this. Just couldn't get it done before the show. Um, moving forward here, um, let me see. So, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, Dimitri Bibble, obviously, is lined up. I mean, Bam Rodriguez, oh boy, who just won and beat Kayo uh, Gucci. There's there's a couple of fighters out there for fighter of the year, right? But I got to admit, if Dimitri Bibble takes care of business, I don't know how you don't give it to him. I mean, he is facing an unbeaten fighter, and some people will say not tested, right? Um, you know, he faced a, a Sullivan Barrera, who's a quality fighter. Gonzalez is a tough fighter. Jesse Hart seems to be, you know, his his toughest fights on the scorecards, for sure. I thought he did a better job. Um, there was a couple of fights after that. I, I, I thought he, I don't know, both fights were pretty close. They, they were competitive. And, and um and of course, there's, uh, I mean, this is a long time ago, Abraham. This is how long Gilberto Zerto Ramirez has been around. I mean, Vlasov, I remember that fight, looking through his box rack. So, you know, he's fought some pretty good fighters. Most of them have been a little past their prime or way past their prime, whatever. Whereas, you know, coming off a win over Canelo, uh, that Craig Richards fight looks better than it did before Joe Smith Jr., Jean Pascal, Chalemba, Barrera a few years before when he was a little, you know, in his prime. Um, but when it, you know, push comes to shove, clearly that last win, which was just a clean win, too. I mean, there's no way around it. Uh, Dimitri just, you know, Dimitri Bibble just handled uh, Canelo. It wasn't really all that close of a fight. There's no way you could say it was a draw or anything like that. His fundamentals, the skill level, catching Canelo, containing Canelo, catching him on the way inside, not allowing him just to try to walk him down. Um, you know, heading into that fight, though, you know, with, with 
Duvall and uh, and Alvarez, a lot of people did kind of look at some of these recent fights and, and and see what some fighters were able to do. I mean, Joe Smith was able – everyone gets buzzed or hurt, so that's not a big deal because he didn't win many rounds beyond that, uh, you know, a, a few years back. Um, and, you know, Richards had time – there's, he had some moments, no doubt about it. I mean, he definitely had some moments. I mean, it was a competitive fight. In, in some of these fights of late, like I said, they were kind of like the fights that made a lot of people think, hey, Canelo's going to beat this kid. He's going to land something big. He's going to crowd him. He's going to walk him down. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And then all of a sudden we saw a more active, you know, pivotal. And He's got a great job, like I said, the jab, job. Well, he's got a great job too. Great jab, the fundamentals. He does have kind of that stand-up style in a sense that you see overseas European style, like people call it. But he's he's more athletic, and his movements are just they're just on point. They're, like I said, they're fundamental. Like he's got this style that not all that easy to hit, especially if you're kind of a one-trick pony. And I think Gilberto, you know, he's had plenty of, you know, fights. This is his 45th fight. 44-0, 30 KOs looks really good. But, um, you know, I mean, he looked damn good against, uh, say, Barrera. You know, got him early to the body. You know, I, I think that in some of that, you know, he did some good work against Jesse Hart, but he also defensively was exposed. He's been exposed a couple of times, Ramirez, and he may have fought so many fights now that if you haven't, he's had adversity in the Jesse Hart fight, you know, in both of them, I thought he had some adversity. But otherwise, he's pretty much bowed through the competition. He's a very aggressive fighter. You know, he's he's taller, he's got a better reach and all that, but like I said, I just think Bibble, the subtle movement, the jab, the, just his skill level, it's just, it's very, um, I mean, it was underestimated, obviously, when he put it all together against uh, Canelo. And let's be fair, you know, Ramirez is a different type of skill-wise. It's not all that close. I mean, Canelo's a, a more skilled guy. He's got more ways to win, right? He may have not shown in that fight because of the style. You could say size two, 175, two fights up there against Bivol uh, and Kovalev didn't look all that good, right? Um, but he's going to have to set up his punches, whether it's a jab, not just to the head because you can get timed all day long. And I'm not saying double and triple and quadruple jabs and stuff like that because Bivol will eat that up after a while. But jabbing to the chest, jabbing to the stomach, going to the body, crowding him. Using that size that you have on him, like I said, you got a reach advantage, but it's really just a size advantage, and, and that work great. You know, make him work for it. You know, if you miss a, a hook, there's an elbow. You know, hit him on the hip. You know, you, you got to make him feel very, very uncomfortable. And I just don't know if Ramirez can do all that and not continue to get clipped. And I kind of see, like, the first, I don't know how many rounds, let's say the first four to six rounds, maybe only three or four rounds, I don't know. I do see 
as long as he starts fast, Zerto, which he needs to do, I do see him winning some rounds. I do see him applying pressure and, and, and roughing him up, but I just think Bivol, with the timing and the accuracy of his punches, the placement, just I just think he's that much more talented of a fighter. And like I said, he's got this little subtle movement. He's not a guy that's going to uh, be on his bike the whole time, like on a 10-speed uh, going downhill. You know, he, he's going to move, you know, be on the outside a lot. But once he gets his timing, and like I said, I don't know how many rounds take three or four rounds to where he can start to really make Ramirez look uh, as defensively irresponsible as he, as he is, you know. I don't know how many rounds it's going to take, but I do think Bibble will win by a decision. I think, like I said, the first four to six rounds, don't be surprised if Ramirez has, I say success, but I think he can have plenty of success there. I really do. I just and like I said, fighting a heart or fighting a Barrera, a guy that has some pop and has some skill, and I think those help you. But when it's your when it's this is your first time stepping all the way up to at least the top one or two guy in the division, it may be kind of shocking after a few rounds of like, dude, I just can't. Like I said, it might be tentative. Bibble is he like the most powerful guy? No, but. He definitely had Canelo respect him. He definitely had Canelo tentative. So I look, I look for you know the timing, clipping him with just fundamentally accurate shots. I just like I said, I think it comes. It sounds stupid, a broken record, but I just think it comes down to fundamentals. And I think the timing and the distance and all that. Like Ken, like Ramirez has shown, he can throw punches and bunches and really let a guy have it. Right. But I just think it's going to look a lot different once we get into the second half of this fight. And I think it's going to be frustration. I think it's going to be uh, more missing than we've seen, which gets you tired. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, will it be entertaining? I think it will, at least half of the fight. I think it'll be more one-sided down the stretch. But I really hope Ramirez can use his style to, to really dig in, you know, really, really dig in. And, and make it a rough-and-tumble fight. I mean, that's really his only hope, if we're being honest. So why not? You know what I mean? Why not? Why not just go for it? Um, and so that's what I hope happens. But like I said, it could get – oh, this is pretty funny. <laughs> okay, so here's an example of an MMA fan getting mad. <laughs> I saw this clip at, at, at Jake Paul. Jake, listen to this. We should all fucking boycott the rest of his fights until he fucking fights someone that's on his level or whatever level he we deem him to be on. You talk all this shit about MMA fighters. You talk shit about the UFC. You, then you pretend that you want to bring fighters up and you want everyone to get paid better. But then you trash everyone every time they fight. Now we're paying all. We're putting food on your fucking table for you to drag our legends, older, shorter, smaller, past their prime legends that have spent their entire careers running their bodies in the fucking car accidents and then we hold we hold these guys near and dear to our heart and then this fuckhead just pulls them out of fucking semi-retirement and then just knocks them out in fucking pay-per-view and then just and then she'll shit on all of us go fuck yourself like why are we still fucking pandering to this piece of shit (laughs) that sounds like some uh funny stuff it, 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 I don't say. Thanks for sending that me sending that to me. That was that was funny. 
that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, where was I? Oh yeah, so I got I got Gilberto um, by decision. I'm not calling for a stoppage or anything like that, but I just I think it's it'll just be too much for him. You know, it'll be just too much for him. I don't see him winning this fight. Um, I just don't think he's he's on that level. I really don't. Bivol's a pretty big favorite. You can find Gilberto Ramirez for plus three forty, all the way down to plus two seventy five. So if you think Gilberto Ramirez is going to shock him, you know, be a good uh, good bet. <laughs> that's for sure. Definitely be a good bet. Um, so, yeah, that that's, that's who I have uh, in the main event. I think it's going to be unanimous decision. Like I said, it would just be too much for him. Um, Chantel Cameron and Jessica McCaskill. And also uh, Zelfa Barrett and uh, Rahima, Rahima. That's for the vacant IBF Junior uh, Lightweight title. Uh, Yafai, both Yafai. That um, Cameron and McCaskill, that's, to me, that's a 50-50. I should look up the odds on that because Maybe Jessica's yeah she is a slight favorite plus one thirty is the top you can get for her I don't know man that is a look at that plus one twelve plus one twenty plus one twenty five I mean that's a pickup type fight Chantel and, and yeah, Jessica that that's a good ass that's the closest match fight probably of the the weekend I mean maybe that uh. Maybe that fight that got added to the Showtime uh, triple well, it's, it did get added to the triple header. I think it got added to the Showtime uh, YouTube stream. I think they do that on Facebook and YouTube, if I, if I remember correctly. But Gonzalez and Durrell, Andre Durrell's on that card. Julian Williams is in a stay-busy fight. But, yeah, you got uh, – Durrell's actually a minor plus 130, plus 110 underdog plus 100. So that that's that is actually I guess the tightest fight, the Gonzalez Durrell. Plus you don't know where both those guys are. But I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go Jessica McCaskill for the minor upset in that one. But that could be a bang. That could be a bang. Um, and then I do believe uh Rockmanoff Rock Rockmanoff. I think he'll win that fight. But that that's that's a pretty competitive fight too. I I like this card. I do like this card. This uh, gold boy card here. It's from uh, uh what is it? Abu Dhabi. Yeah, Abu Dhabi, I believe. Yeah, the United Arab Arab Emirates. So um, and that's for the undisputed. So I'm going with Jessica McCaskill, the minor um, underdog, and then Rakamov for the vacant IPF I got him. You know, that's, I don't know, maybe, maybe Barrett can, uh, you know, make that even more interesting because it's not like it's a, it's super long odds, you know. And he, I, I think he only has, yeah, he only has a loss a while back, 
I mean, that that's the problem, like, with uh, with Delta Barrett is, like, you could say, who has he fought? I mean, you could say, well, he, he fought Kiko Martinez in his wildlife against last year. Yeah, true. He brought that, that McCordry uh, dude. Tella's fight, that those were actually really good fights. So he's fought, like, good fighters, um, but not nothing that high level. You know what I mean? So, whereas at least we've seen, you know, Rakamov in that draw with Jojo Diaz, and he looked pretty good in that draw. And he, he has some other wins in there. Uh, oh, wow, Malcolm Clausen. I almost forgot about that guy. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where they were ranked in the right spots, and, and they got the fight. You know what I mean? That That's how it works. So, um, but I, that, that could be interesting. That could be an interesting fight. That could be very competitive, but I'm looking for uh, Rakamov to, to get that done. Um, and then as far as the other action, we do have um, the Showtime triple header on Friday as well, live from the Armory here in Minneapolis, David Morrell Jr. versus Ade- Adeos. Ade- Ados, Ados, you're Bassanuli? Bassanuli, not Bassinuli, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, depending on who you talk to about this fight, some people really think, hey, man, you know, we're, we're going to get some places. Like, this is good. We're going to show, like, David's going to have to show his, you know, his level here. Like, it, like, I do want him, you know, he hasn't had rounds, good, good quality rounds uh, since he went the distance with that Allen. Um, so that's what I'm hoping. Like I said, I, I, I've seen this guy fight. I've been trying to find out more and more about his amateur career as well. Not a lot out there. Saw some highlights of that, but um, I just hope it's rounds. You know, as far as being a main event, this is definitely not like a championship showtime main event that we're used to. Um, and that makes it now four, four in a row since late July. The uh, Danny Garcia, Jose Benavidez, and then we had the, um, well, it didn't go through because Broner dropped off the card. Um, but that main event. Oh, and then we just had uh, we just had Fundora. You know, some of these fights are not bad. It just they're not championship level main event cards that we're used to seeing on Showtime. So yeah, then this one. So that's four in a row. Like I said, I've liked most of the undercard fights. I'll give them credit there. But yeah, the main events have been, you know, have been more on the uh, the lighter side, should we say. Um, so, you know, Figueroa against Broner, I really didn't have a problem with that. Lipinets just destroyed, you know, him. That's for sure. I don't think. But um, and then we had, you know, this co-feature uh, Rosario, who was supposed to fight Yoel Gomez, but he hurt himself. So him and Brian Mendoza are gonna fight, and honestly. I think that's a good fight. Now, I thought Rosario would have been a really good – both these guys would be a really good test for Yoelvis, right? But I sign me up for that fight as far as just on a hardcore level. 
We also have Gallimore. Is this at 154 or 160? I think I remember reading it was at 160. But we have an unbeat Ukrainian middleweight, 20-0. Um, what is it, Cherkovsky? That's a good, that's a good, you know, fair play to him. I, like, I don't know if Gallimore is going to be as good at middleweight because I think it is a 10-round middleweight, so I'm not totally sure about that one. But uh, Rosario Mendoza should be a banger. Let's hope we get a competitive fight out of the main event, but I am kind of interested to see this middleweight prospect. Like I mentioned, Julian Williams is on the card. Kent Cruz is on the card. Uh, Tellez, who's a very young Cuban fighter, Yoenis, he's on the card. Um, a couple other prospects as well. Uh, Zamora is on the card. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten for the viewing audience. And I believe there's at least two. Maybe there's three. Maybe there's three. But either way, um, you know, I think I don't know. I think man, can Rosario get on the you know bounce back and get on the good foot. I think he can in this fight. I think he will. Um, And I'm thinking, I haven't seen enough of that prospect, that Ukrainian prospect, but I think, like I said, he's he's already got 20 fights. Um, And like I said, I'm not sure if O'Boy will be as good at 160, but hopefully that's a good test for him so we get to see, you know, something out of him. You know what I'm saying? That that would be uh, that would be interesting. There, about it. Um, that about. Oh, also, um, Alan Sanchez. Someone just sent me this. Alan Sanchez, who we had on the show years ago, uh, scored a big upset. It even sent me the article on boxing. Alan Sanchez shocks Saul. We'll get into some news. In notes and all that, some current fight news and, and, and some more quotes from Connor Ben that kind of have you scratching your head. A variety of stuff that we'll talk about. Jake and Lefty have that show on Saturdays. Jake uh, had a lot of detail information about the give and take between uh, Showtime and the Zone when it comes to that Ryan Garcia stuff. So we'll talk about that in a short little bit, a little later in the show. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John to the fold see how he's doing on this Tuesday night. What's going on, John? How you doing? Hey, Chris. Uh, great, great to be here as always. Well, it's good to have you on. Hope everybody, uh, you know, everything's treating you right. You had a good weekend. We had a, another busy weekend, no doubt about that. Um, and let's start at the top. Lomachenko and Ortiz. Some people thought Ortiz looked kind of over the hill. I'm sorry, not Ortiz Loma. Some people thought, some people, you know, I guess we didn't take Ortiz serious enough as a guy that could use some hand speed, some combination punching, and some movement angles that we usually see more out of Lomachenko. And it was kind of interesting to see him going against that style. I will say this, like, if you're going to face Haney next, this is probably a pretty good style to go against. I think, you know, Devin Haney's better than Ortiz, but kind of an interesting style to go up against 
because you could you could kind of relate some of the stuff that Ortiz could do that that Haney could do. But anyway, you know, I didn't think Loma looked horrible or like way over the hill. Um, but once he got maybe into the fifth round, it seemed like he he started timing Ortiz more, and Ortiz never been in a twelve round fight. That started to add up. What were your thoughts about Lomachenko, who had been out of the ring since last December? So maybe we have to put that into the equation, too. What did you think of Lomachenko, and did you think he looked, you know, over the hill, like like a lot of people on boxing, good old boxing Twitter are saying? Yeah, I, I don't – I saw the year layoff thing at age 34 with the amount of amateur fights that he's had, and, you know, he's been fighting at the top level professional for a while, I, I don't I don't buy that as being any factor in it. Um, I saw some people saying that afterwards. I, I don't I don't think for a 34 year old guy with his level of experience overall, uh, it was ring rust. I think it was more what you were saying that even though I'd seen Ortiz before and he's been fighting better and better, that's what did surprise me about the fight. Um, Ortiz just boxing well. And throughout a lot of the fight, just, you know, outboxing Lomachenko. Uh, not saying it was enough in the end to win. I mean, Lomachenko does tend to come on later in fights uh, when he needs to pick it up. You know, he's been criticized for not picking it up earlier, and, and that has been a theme at times throughout his career. Um, I think, I don't think he looked totally over the hill. I don't think it was that either. Um, but even though fighters are lasting longer than they used to, and he hasn't been beaten up or anything like that, still 34 for a lightweight, that can't be discounted. So I, I think that is a factor. And I think the other trend that might be troubling for Lomachenko in addition to that, uh, as good as Lomachenko is, you know, what? We're, we're starting to see a theme where a guy who can, a guy who can box who's got, decent size for a lightweight gives him some trouble. Um, Linares was a guy that had moved up, but, you know, he's he's got decent height. You know, he was fighting pretty much even with Lomachenko and had dropped him before he got stopped. Um, you know, that was something that, you know, you, you didn't really make much notice of at the time, even though Lomachenko got a tough fight there. But then you saw, you know, Tiafimo Lopez is a guy who has a lot of power, but he's also got skill too, and he has a real amateur pedigree of his own. Um, you know, U.S. Olympic trials, you know, extensive amateur career, a lot of skill and power, and the youth and the speed. You know, we saw him beat straight out convincingly beat Lomachenko. Um, and then, you know, you have now here's a guy like Ortiz who has, you know, decent size for a lightweight, and, and that kind of surprised me going in. He, just boxing Lomachenko the whole way and outboxing him, you know, uh, Ortiz was doing a really good job boxing, but he wasn't hyper aggressive or anything like that either. He he was just boxing him and doing a good job with it. You saw Lomachenko's face marked up. Um, Lomachenko has made some pro adjustments in a good way. Uh, you know, when he has to really kind of grit, grit and dig deep, you know, he'll go to the body, saw him take Linares out with a body shot in that type of a situation. Um, you know, we've, we've seen him come on and hurt Comey 
uh, later on and, and uh, take out Nakatani. You know, those are tough guys. But here's where I'm seeing a trend that's a difference, and I think this is a bad sign for Lomachenko and, you know, anybody who's a huge fan of him uh, in his, next, his potential upcoming fights. I mean, the two guys who top rank can easily make big fights with him is, you know, Devin Haney, which appears to be on tap because that's for the real lightweight title. And that, that makes sense. That's kind of the way it used to be. He's the real champ, Lomachenko, trying to, trying to become the, the lightweight champ again. Um, and then you've got also, of course, they have Shakur Stevenson available. Uh, he's not as, as big as, as Devin Haney, but they're both quick guys with, with a lot of boxing skill, uh, a lot of amateur pedigree. Of course, um, you know, Shakur Stevenson himself, a silver medalist. So I think that's what speaks uh, to a danger for Lomachenko is the combination of his age at 34 and the fact that as good of a boxer as Lomachenko is, we're starting to see some trends that, you know, when there's, when he's in with a boxer of good size, uh, he could have some trouble because the one boxer he didn't have any trouble with is Rigondeaux, but Rigondeaux, you know, a, a bit, a bit smaller, a guy who really is most comfortable at phantom weight. So he, he doesn't really fit the uh, parameters of the other guys, but, you know, you've got Stevenson, Haney, um, I think that those are going to be trouble for Lomachenko. I, I think this idea I've seen from some people that, oh, Lomachenko's rusty and, you know, he's, he's just going to turn it on against Haney at this stage and it's going to be different. I don't, I, that I don't see. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Lomachenko is talented enough and has adjusted enough to the pro style that you know, he's always going to make it a, uh, an interesting fight and a tough evening. But from what I saw, Saturday night. I'm not just chalking it up to rust. I'm not chalking it up to that he's over the hill completely either. I don't think he is, but I I think we did see enough. I think the signs are there that uh, Haney or Stevenson are going to... They're, they're a tough matchup for anybody, let's be fair, but they're going to be particularly also a tough uh, time for Lomachenko. You know, we, we saw... Because we saw Lomachenko when, when you know, there, you had the series of guys that weren't continuing because they were taking a beating. I mean, those are slugger type guys, you know, like, like Nicholas Walters and uh, Jason Sosa, you know, you know, people like that come to mind. I mean, so I think we're starting to see a trend here that, you know, Lomachenko's, you know, too much for guys, even if they've got size, if, if they come to, if they come to slug and they don't, they don't have the pedigree as boxers, but, especially at his age now, a top-level boxer. I, I think to me, um, you know, I, I think I think some people are saying the opposite. I, I think to me Haney or Stevenson would be a favorite over Lomachenko at this point from what we've seen recently, you know, particularly the Lopez fight and now what we saw with him here against Ortiz. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, some people just kind of – jump on something and just ride it all the way. And, and, and 135 hasn't been a phenomenal weight class for Loma. I'm not saying he's too small for it, but he's been dropped. He, he hasn't looked great. You know, 126 and 130 seem like he, you know, are, are a little bit more comfortable. But he's been here for four or five years or something, probably four years. So I don't think we can use that but, as an excuse. 
But some of that, Chris, I do think, and you know, people, I think they get a little carried away with that. First of all, you know, you know my thinking on it. People can disagree. I mean, the the five pounds from one thirty, one thirty five doesn't really make a difference. I mean, that's that's an those are you know with your catch weight created weight classes popularized by the alphabets. You don't really need them now. Lomachenko was in the pro. Did he fight one thirty two in the amateurs too? Exactly, but he was right. He fought as a lightweight, you know, one thirty two in the amateurs. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's more like I said. He's not over the hill, but then you know his boxing style at his height when he's fighting a guy who's got decent height and can box. That that's what I think yeah. we're seeing now. It doesn't mean you know Lomachenko. I'm not knocking his skills and abilities. It's not one of those things, but I mean, it's just something now that he is 34 and we look through his pro career and we are starting to see a trend now where he's having a little more trouble and, you know, you've got two extremely young guys who are top boxers in the game already right. and Haney and Stevenson who top rank has, who top ranks making a name of, um, you know, that's that's going to be a, a tough assignment for Lomachenko at this point. It's not like he, he got the shot at George Cambosos. And, you know, now I, and I'd i be the first to say, you know, I don't think he'd have any problems outboxing George Cambosos either. But that's that ship has sailed. That's not who he's going to be fighting. Um, we, we know the boxing politics and the promotional politics. Um, you know, on an, I think one thing I want to chime in with, because I think a lot we, we do need to get to – of course, you want to talk in the ring, and we, we are and will, but out of the ring stuff, I mean, I'm slightly disappointed. You know, Lomachenko, it, it's hard, you know, an actual credit to the U.S. fans has always been it, that they don't get credit for, but is true compared to other countries. I mean, non-Americans can become somewhat of a draw in the United States. And, you know, Lomachenko, again, considering the era, you looked at his ESPN ratings, like when he fought Rigondeaux, um, some of his other right. fights, pretty good ratings, you know. Um, but but why I'm bringing that up is now he's on, you know, he's on ESPN Plus, and it just doesn't have the reach. And you know, you're looking at big fights for him possibly with guys that in recent fights Top Rank has also gotten good exposure to, who for this era compared to others are drawing pretty good numbers in Haney and Stevenson, at the very least, the raw numbers with the state boxings in now, they're getting seen by more people than other fighters. So, you know, if, if ESPN and top rank were even trying to build to a big fight with Haney or Stevenson, even both down the road, you know, you, you think you'd want Lomachenko getting as much exposure going in as possible as well, even though he's just fighting Ortiz here, not a solo ESPN plus appearance you know, as you and I have talked about, there's been some some of their better fights in recent years, which is a good thing to do. They've had on ESPN and ESPN Plus simultaneously, so we know they can do it. In other words, you know, you're not well, you're not cutting out the app audience. If we're talking, we want to be modern, so it's not just about being modern. Um, I, I don't see, you know, this, this stuff in boxing in general is really starting to concern me because. Even if top rank's supposed to be building to something or ESPN, you know how how is that a really good build if one of the two fighters in that build is just making an ESPN plus appearance and maybe the the fight before the big fight or maybe 
two fights before the big fight. I don't, I, that, I don't get that. And if it, it, what I'm saying is, if that is their business, where boxing is down to that, I think there's problems. I think we got to start talking about. Not that we don't always do as boxing fans, but what I've seen the last few months and and a lot of the signs, I think we got to talk about the problems. I think people who just say, oh, I want to be positive and I want to be optimistic, and then they look through the whole year and they see four good fights and they say, well, we've got four good fights. Yeah, over over 12 months with how many fights, you know, there are, you know, you're going to say four good fights. So, I mean, I like – I'm really interested in Lomachenko-Haney or, you know, Lomachenko-Stevenson – that's what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, if, if that can't get built up big, um, and I don't mean it has to be on pay-per-view, but I mean, if it's not going to be, that's a big event for ESPN, really big. Like, like yeah. you know, you want to, you want to build to that. Really you know, sound, like, really good ratings. They could, you know, if they that, keep that's what I'd like to see as a, exactly, Chris, as like a boxing fan, you know, you'd like to see that built where that's being positioned to draw, millions watching on ESPN, you know, millions are watching on ESPN and ESPN plus if it's not going to be pay-per-view or if they took a shot at a pay-per-view, you know, obviously there's all signs and we'll get to talk about that. I think tonight, at least a little bit that, you know, as we predicted, we knew was going to happen. We've seen it before. I mean, things are being pay-per-viewed out. So it's really hard to see a big pay-per-view right now. Um, You know, I, I thought, and we can get into that after we get into somebody in the ring. But, you know, I felt Spence Crawford would be big, was going to be really big, kind of like a throwback. And I'm not I, – I understand now, and it's not happening. We can see that's not happening right now. But even if it was – but now I'm, I'm starting to see this purview. And, like, you know, they, they're maybe building to a Haney Lomachenko, and, and Lomachenko is only on ESPN+. Plus and – I think I got to revise a little bit that I, I, I'm getting concerned now. What, what's boxing got out there that, that can really do big pay-per-view numbers? Um, it's, it's becoming a, it's becoming a concern. I think, I mean, um, you know, boxing's put itself so much into a corner where, you know, you, this is really where, where it's, it's a bad situation. You know, you think in the U S I mean, you know, it, it almost have to be like Canelo fighting somebody on regular TV to draw a really huge number. And that used to not be the case with boxing. You know, it was just a case that, well, they're putting all these things on pay-per-view or Showtime and HBO, you know, if they were on regular traditional linear TV and with basic cable, you know, there, there'd be a huge number. I mean, unfortunately, now, now you're starting to wonder how, how, how many fights would that be the case with? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that that is fair. Um, so let's move on to Joseph Diaz versus William Zapata. And Zapata, talk about a punching machine. He threw fifteen over fifteen hundred punches, landed almost four hundred of them. Uh, the first four rounds, I mean, Diaz couldn't really even get out. The, the starting block, he, he did put some rounds together, uh, you know, in the middle rounds. But, you know, William Zapata hadn't really fought anybody on the legit contender. He's done, you know, he had some, you know, some decent fights or whatever. Did fight a, a prospect and win. Did fight a veteran and look kind of mediocre doing it. 
but this was his first big step up fight. And I don't want to take too much credit away saying Jojo Diaz, who's been up and down in the last few years, he definitely didn't look great. But and then we hear about the weight thing, you know, how it got adjusted at the end. And, and a lot of people claiming Diaz needed to do that. We know he has a lot of uh, outside the ring issues swirling, which isn't easy to block that out. But uh, the Peta just, I mean, talk about outworking somebody. He was just a punching machine, pressure, 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 just the ultimate aggressor in that fight. Yeah, you know, good win for Zepeda. uh, Deserves to move him up in the legit rankings. You know, I've always liked Jojo Diaz as, you know, really, and this is, I'm going to kind of tie in with what you were saying because I'm glad you did say it, Chris, because actually I, I don't think it's really being said enough because, look, you know, people think, well, I, I, you know, they, they don't want to take away from Zapata or they want to hype him up. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta go on what you see. You gotta go on what's there, not your preconceived notion. And, you know, look, William Zapata got a solid win Saturday night. He threw a lot of punches, you know, with that understood, he, he's not the second coming of Roberto Duran. I mean, you know, and, and I got into some debate with some people on Twitter about that on, on Sunday and, you know, all of us are wrong sometimes. All of you know, we all have times we're right. You got to wait and see how it plays out. So you know, we're not going to know, and I'm I'm not going to say I'm going to certainly be proven right or not. But but I'm going to stick with it. I'm not like down on Zapata where I, like I don't think he's a top ten fighter or something like that. But um, you know, pe- people thinking that this guy is up up with the upper echelon of, of guys available in that lightweight area after what they saw Saturday night, I'm saying no. I mean, you know, Joseph, they said, well, Joseph Diaz has got a chin. Well, you know, Joseph Diaz is a featherweight, you know. I mean, now, like I always say, my rule is when you're talking legit original eight weight classes moves, then I'll talk about weight. You know, Joseph Diaz started as a featherweight. He can't crack an egg as a featherweight. And now he's up there at 137 and a half pounds fighting William Zapata. And he's, he's, he's not in good enough shape where he can even move around the ring. You know, think about Joseph Diaz in the amateurs and when he was first making his name as a pro featherweight, working his way up, impressing a lot of people looking good. I mean, he, he was a boxer with skills and movement. And then, you know, he became, sure, it became a bit more entertaining when he just started standing flat-footed and, and bang it out with some people moving forward, but that wasn't the, his best way to fight. The only fight I'll, I'll say, you know, he wasn't going to outbox Gary Russell, and that was his right. first big shot. And I thought that was appropriate for that fight. And I thought, well, I thought Russell clearly won it, but, you know, Diaz certainly won like four or five rounds in that fight, I think. Um, but, you know, clearly lost, but I thought he needed to fight that way in that fight. But after that, it's like he started putting on weight, standing flatwood, and it's like the boxer Jojo Diaz was gone, and he can't punch. I mean, he can't punch. I mean, you know, that, that shouldn't be a mystery about his punching power. I mean, I've always said it. I mean, people have trouble saying it. You, you know, you listen to the zone commentators. You know, this is, this is commentary. I'm not just picking on the zone. Chris, but this this is in, in we're, we're seeing this in all platforms, and this kind of nonsense has got to stop. You know, I've been going off on it for a few months, but I'm going to keep calling it out. Like 
you know, the commentators are going late in the fight. Diaz has got to land that one big punch. <laughs> Joseph Diaz is not landing one right. big punch on anyone at 137 and a half pounds fighting over the lightweight limit. He, he, he couldn't crack at featherweight. I mean, let's stop the nonsense. I mean, you got to call fights like they really are. I mean, instead of like an infomercial, you know, I mean, so that's where I had a, a big disagreement with, with things I saw about Zapata Sunday morning in the postscript. I mean, he's fighting a guy that can't crack an egg. Sure, he's working. He's walking forward, throwing 1,500 punches. He's got nothing coming back at him. I mean, he's got nothing to worry about. I mean, you, you tell me that if, if Ryan Garcia is throwing bombs back at him, he's going to be walking in, throwing 1,500 punches, or Tank Davis, or, you know, even, even Lomachenko with his skills. I mean, you know, it's not it's not happening. I mean, you know, other other guys out there that are tough. I mean, I'm not I'm not down on Zapata, but but I'm going to pull the old pump the brakes on on this guy. I mean, like you said correctly, and I think other, lots of others saw it. I mean, he had a couple of mediocre performances recently too, um, and you know when he had his big kind of breakout win, um, yeah, you know when when he uh, what. Tanahara, when he had the, um, it was a slight underdog, and he stopped him. He's in right. there. There's a guy that can't crack either. So, um, you, you know, I mean, it was a good win, and I thought he looked good, real good in that fight because his punches seemed to have more effect. But he's got that high KO percentage. But you look, you look at him against a shop worn guy. He got the win before this against Renee Alvarado, a guy coming up from 130. Was you know, a unanimous decision, but wasn't really that impressive in that fight. I thought that would be more of a statement performance, and it wasn't. And, you know, he, he wasn't really moving Joseph Diaz all that much, considering Joseph Diaz wasn't in the greatest shape. And you, say, you can say, oh, Jojo Diaz takes a great shot. He's, you know, he's a featherweight. I mean, so I don't know. You know, I mean, when you're, when you're throwing that many punches and you're not really moving people at the higher level, I don't know, you know, I mean, you know, you know, it, I think then the questions are, you know, when, when, when he's in with somebody that can punch, you know, with a good size lightweight who can punch, is that output going to be there? And even if the output's there, is, is it going to be output with authority? Because when he's taking fire back, that's meaningful. You know, we, we don't know exactly what, you know, what's going to happen with Zepeda. That That's, that to me is a question. Um, that I, I, I don't think that people should be saying he's automatically going to be this this massive threat to these upper level guys. I mean, maybe he'll he'll prove that he will by showing us more, but I wouldn't say that off of this fight. And I think there's a lot of people who are, and uh, I think I think that they should dial down those expectations a little bit. You know, top ten guy, yes, solid, legit top ten guy, not alphabet top 10 guy. I always point that out because there's a difference. Legit 10 guy, definitely. No doubt about it. Moved up with this win. Solid win, but you know, automatically a threat to the top echelon. Even though, as we know, the way boxing is, which is sad, these fights aren't going to happen anyway. We're, we're talking in theory. I mean, they, they could make a Ryan Garcia fight. Um, I don't think Golden Boy is going to do that, but um, right. the other fights really can't realistically be made, but they could put him in with Ryan Garcia. I mean, none of us expect it to happen, um, but it, you know, it, it could, it could happen. So, I mean, in other words, there's nothing preventing it. So um, I don't know. I mean, 
would I like to see the fight? Sure, sure, that, that, that'd be an interesting fight, but uh, I'd pick Ryan Garcia, and I think Ryan Garcia probably unload on a guy who's right in front of him like that and get him out of there. Right. But, you know, I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to see it, but you, you want to take where my money's going to go. It's going to go on Ryan Garcia with his speed, power, and skill on a guy that's right in front of him like Zapata that just wants to try to start fire, used to firing those punches without big punches coming back. It's going to be a different story, you know, when he when he gets hit with big punches. So uh, now maybe he'll turn out to have a chin like Chavez or something like that. But not everybody does that, you know. That's that's rare. So you you can't just assume that's going to be there. I mean, that's just kind of kind of stereotyping styles. I mean, we we got to see him in with a we got to see him in with a good puncher before we we say that that style is automatically going to be effective uh, against everybody. Yeah, and these last two fights have kind of. Um, calm down the whole he's a big puncher based off his knockout ratio too you know what I mean I'm not saying he's a soccer but it's not like he's out there I mean how many times Diaz really really hurt in that fight Uh, and he was overwhelming him I mean he could have taken him out at any time in a sense not at any time but like if he actually had this true true big big power he should have had you know he landed like almost 400 punches on somebody they should be showing a lot more signs of getting hurt to the body or even like a, a one-sided fight like Marky Garcia and Spence. You could see down the stretch Garcia was really hurt to the body, and he was just like, oh, you know, you could see more out of it than, than that fight. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's a, a variety of great fights for him, but like you said, it's, you know, like I was saying too, it's, it's tough to see who would uh, who's he got to match up with there on the zone. Um, we'll see where that goes, but you know, I could see that as a, maybe a future fight for, for Ryan Garcia. Age 36, Kiko Martinez pulled an upset over Jordan Gill. Uh, Katie Taylor, beyond a couple of uh firefight moments, I think it was in the fourth round, she pretty much handled business. Uh, Hector Valdez Jr., I thought, got a gift decision on that undercard. Any other fights that you uh want to talk about? Obviously. You know, the Jake Paul, Anderson Silva stuff. Do any other items you'd like to talk about from last weekend? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, like the, the Katie Taylor, um, you know, she's good. I, I just didn't expect her, you know, to a, any threat to be losing. That's where that card uh, didn't really excite me. The Kiko Martinez, I, I got to go a little bit on some some of the naysayers. There weren't many, but I saw one or two where – yeah, it may seem harsh, but it's the truth. I mean, you know, you know, Kiko, give him credit, you know, at a light weight for still being effective with the power to his later 30s. But but you really got to question some of these guys that he's beating, you know. Like, I mean, you know, what what what, what really – some of these guys are just, just overrated. I mean, yeah, upsets, but, I mean, you know – like, look, he took out a guy like Galahad, and then, but then Galahad ended up fading off into the sunset. You know, um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, I think we we got to keep in balance. Like, you know, in other words, then people are talking about like bigger fights, you know, for Kiko Martinez and stuff. I mean, we, I mean, we saw the guy get obliterated by Leo Santa Cruz and Gary Russell years ago. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't tell you something about level. You know what I mean? Like, like this is what people got to wake up. Like, you know, it's 
I mean, when Kiko Martinez gets obliterated years ago by Russell and Santa Cruz, and now it's years later, and he's beating right. these guys, he, he didn't get better. I mean, he didn't get better at this. He's like, I'm well, sorry, that's for folks. sure. You might want to. You he's want got you the may same want to believe style. he hasn't still... got better, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You may want to believe all these feel good stories and stuff, but it's not reality. I mean, the guy's, you know, thirty six or whatever. I mean he, he hasn't gotten better, he's just gotten older and he's at a lightweight doing it and he, and he's beat beating some of these guys. You give him I give him credit like everybody else for being ready, coming to win. Sure, give him credit for all that, but you you really got you really gotta question if some of these opponents, you know, just weren't completely uh, overrated, so uh, that that that's the that's the thing there. You know, Jake Paul. Um, I mean, it's you know, there's some interest. I mean, it goes to I think to me what you and I talked about. Like he's in kind of this marketing, even though he knows how to market himself, but he, he's kind of caught in this like marketing conundrum vacuum. Like even I'm more interested because I, I tweeted this, and, and a lot of people are seeing the same thing. You know, it, 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 it's kind of – it's laughable that it, it, this really does seem to bother MMA fans. And, you know, you watch MMA too, so do I. But, like, people who only like MMA, like this Jake Paul knocking out MMA guys in boxing, it just seems to drive them crazy. And that's actually becoming entertaining. It's like a side thing that's becoming entertaining, and it's almost become part of the marketing. But why I'm mentioning that is – you know, you and I were talking when the Rockman fight fell through, you know, from a, and there were rumors. I did say that. I just had a source. It was just somebody I knew, uh, not that I was on at seeking sources and it turned out to be true that, you know, they, they were saying that that wasn't even selling, you know, at the garden when it was going to be at the garden. And, and, uh, you know, apparently there, there was even problems with uh, the garden, making sure they got paid after that. Like it, the fight, like in other words, some boxing fans are saying, yeah, he's got to fight a boxer and things like that. But fighting little known boxers just wasn't a sell. You know what I mean? Um, and he wouldn't need to have that be that big of a sell. But the problem is Showtime's made him pay-per-view only, um, you know, obviously for business reasons. So that's like, to me, like the conundrum he's stuck in. Like it's only kind of, interesting and and i don't even know if this sold that well i'm guessing it probably didn't sell that great i that's just a feeling i have no evidence or numbers but it sounded like the crowd was into it um you know so there was there was some there's some people interested but uh i don't know i don't know what the buy rate was on that pay-per-view um but yeah like like paul i think he could still drum up interest fighting some mma names i i actually don't think that's totally stale but you know, then like from a boxing fan perspective, like I, I, I kind of find it laughable. These MMA fans get mad, but, but I don't even want to see him like keep beating up like old MMA guys. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Silva 47. I mean, you know, I don't need to see any more of that. Like, so, you know, the younger guys are still signed with promotions like the UFC and we know those deals, they can't get out. So it's like, you know, they're talking about maybe a Nate Diaz. I mean, that, that might sell, you know, like uh, he, they always talked about how they train boxing as well and what great boxers they were and things like that. Um, and he's you know, a good thought, you know, this... as far as being able to answer, you know, the, 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 <laughs> right. that, the, the, the trash talk. That was the problem with this right. one. But... They were too nice to each other, and there was nothing for Jake to sell. 
um, that way. Yeah. Whereas this one, this will be, I mean, the press conference will, will definitely be, uh, you know, an attraction. No, I like, even though he's been inactive, like you know, Nick Diaz always looked like he could box pretty good. Um, Nate, to me, you know, not so much, not so much. Um, you know, even though he's been, you know, more successful overall and more recently, but you know, like I, I always thought Nick looked like he, he talked it. He looked like he looked like he could box some. Um, so I, I don't think Nate Diaz is going to be too good of a boxer, but I, I think it's a sell. I mean, I'm with you like that, you know, the talk, he, he's very well known, you know, he had the McGregor win. I mean, you know, that's going to, that could sell, that could sell, but this does tie in again to the, even though it's Jake Paul, I think it does tie in some to the, and they talk about it being a different audience. I still think it does tie into some of the out of the ring boxing problems though. Like, you know, even Jake Paul, like, I think like when Showtime first signed him, I mean, I don't know. Didn't you even get this sense, Chris? Like I thought, you know, maybe they were going to use him to bring some new audience to Showtime and have some of his fights on Showtime. And then they could do some, some kind of a building, without having as much pressure for the opponent because it wasn't pay-per-view, but all of a sudden they picked him up and he became exclusively pay-per-view. But some of these matchups, it doesn't really warrant pay-per-view. So um, not necessarily this one, but Silva, but I, like I said, I don't know how it did. And then, you know, Nate Diaz might, but you know, every, if every time they, they were kind of locked in now, like every time Jake Paul fights, they, it's got to be pay-per-view worthy. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're going to keep. I don't know what they're going to keep coming up with. You know, um, um, it's almost like as much as pe- boxing purists would hate it, um, but Canelo hasn't even ruled it out. I'm not saying it's competitive. I'm just saying people can be fooled and they want to be fooled. Like you almost got to have them go to something like that soon, even though we all know he's not ready and it'll be a massacre. Like. I don't know how long you cannot go to something like that. Like, you know, he, I guess what I'm saying is like, whether it's a massacre or not, if you can get the sanction, I mean, he, he might have to knock out two more MMA guys and see if you can lure Canelo, lure Canelo in with them. And I'm even be serious. I mean, we don't have the world of boxing, how crazy it is. Like, I mean, if Canelo can pick up 40 million for fighting Jake Paul, I mean, look, we know how absurd it is, but it's true. Like, I mean, if Canelo, yeah, I mean, if Canelo can pick up this money for fighting B-ball, I mean, whether it's fair or not, this is the reality of the boxing market, especially in the U.S. You know, if Canelo can pick up that money for fighting B-ball, I mean, why couldn't he, you know, why couldn't he pick up that or more for fighting Jake Paul? I mean, of course he can. We know that. So, I mean, I don't know when, you know, they, they might need to go to it before he loses. That's what I guess I'm kind of saying. Like, before they step him up too much and he loses, I mean, you know, so, that sometimes that's the money play. I mean, it, it may yeah, be Nate ridiculous. Yeah, Nate Diaz is probably his last step up he can go without, you know, because that <laughs> right. one might be a right. loss too. You know, that that's a possible loss there, but I don't think he can go much higher than him without, you know, having that cash out fight. Right, right, exactly. Like if it gets too high, it's not a, it's not the cash out you're looking for. So, you know, you know, you, they might have to take that, they might have to take that jump. Um, you know, I think that's where they're. I think that's probably is why they dabble with the idea of maybe him fighting a boxer who's really not that good or is maybe overrated, you know. And they can they can pull it off, and then and he gets a win, and and then try to do it. I mean, 
that's probably the kind of things they were thinking about with Rock, with a guy like Rockman, um, you know, Rockman Jr. And they, they, they talk about that, that Canadian guy in his 40s who's, who's got this ridiculous alphabet cruiserweight belt, that Yan Pellerin. I have seen him fight, and I think I will say he's a quote-unquote boxer, but I agree. I think Jake Paul can probably beat him. So, but, but again, does, does the general public buy into that? that? That's where they have a problem, you know, like that's us boxing people talking. Like for us to, you know, for maybe to be thrown out for some boxing people to say he beat a boxer, but does that really sell to anybody else? Not really. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't know where they play it. I, I, I don't know. You know. Nate Diaz, we both agree. That'll work. Um, I would go with it. I think the beating up the MMA guys is a marketing win, so that works. But like you said, the cash out, the cash out fight's got to be somewhere. And and I think if they can if they can get away with it, you probably want it to be against a a big a big name boxer, even though he gets annihilated. If you can get it sanctioned, this is not talking about the morals of it, but just the the business part of it. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't purchase this pay per view. I did see like an 18 minute highlights video of each round, which actually somebody did and did a pretty good job at it. So I did, you know, watch that. But other than that, um, and it's you know this one was more sellable uh, just because of the name. Obviously, we talked about how the the press conferences were pretty slow and all that. So that that type of stuff. You know, like I said, the, the Diaz stuff is he's the perfect uh, perfect running mate. Uh, maybe the Tommy Fury stuff you can get some uh, the real boxer thing and, and talking trash, and then you you'd have Tyson Fury in in on it too. But that would have to be in the UK. So yeah, we'll see where they go. Any other items from this week before we get into the Dimitri Bivol Gilberto uh, Ramirez fight? Well, uh, just because. I guess maybe you saw this on Twitter today. I had to see it. It's actually a, one, of, one of the Benson things, but you know he picks them up from the other sites. Apparently, I don't know if you saw this, Chris. I'm just seeing it for the first time today, and it's a good way for us to wrap it, wrap it up because it fits what I was just talking about. Um, maybe not exactly, but J- Jake Paul has apparently told MMA Fighting that he, he, wants to, he wants to try to get down to 175 and Floyd Mayweather will go up to 165 and fight, fight him in a sanctioned regular pro fight, not, not an exhibition. <laughs> so, there we I go. Mean, there you, there you, you know what, though? I mean, what, I, I don't know. I mean, Floyd Mayweather, to me, like, the people, think, I'm not saying he would lose, but I, I think he's at, I think, and this is a credit to Floyd, like, I think, like, again, I, I, unlike most people, I think, like, just when you get older, you know what I mean? Like, that, even when he's coming back and he's fighting McGregor, if it's a real fight, yeah. like, just, because of Floyd's age, you know, just simply his age. I mean, I actually do think you're you're taking some risk, you know. So, um, like, I, I don't I don't think as crazy as it would be, and I'm not saying it would happen. Like, I think there, you know, there's some risk, you know, when he's just old, you know, he's just getting old. So, yeah, you know, there true. there there would there would be some there would be some risk, um, but I'm not saying that would happen. But see see here's here's these types of things being floated out there though. So. Uh, but okay, the, yeah. Get get to this weekend. I mean, we do have uh, with the with the negativity that I think's around, rightfully so. I mean, I, I do think that the Bivol and Ramirez is a good fight. I mean, that's that's this is a legit good fight. Um, 
You know, Bivol's a significant Definitely. favorite. I just saw him today at minus 400. But I am in the camp that I, I think Ramirez brings some style problems for him. But I keep going back and forth. I, I don't know if I'm ready to pick an upset on this one or, I, or if I just think Bivol, with his skill, will find a way. I think where Ramirez big, brings trouble is, you know, I agree with a lot of other people who are saying this, you know, just with his size and the fact that he, he comes forward and he throws in an inordinate amount of body punches. Um, that, that, can, that can be a – I mean, Bivol, even though he's an undefeated pro and he hasn't been down and he just beat Canelo, he does have a modern amateurish type style. I mean, you really can't deny that. I mean, you know, he jumps in and out. He, he just tries to – he just tries to, you know, land some shots that score. Like, he's not really worried about throwing any power. I mean, he says that himself. Um, you know, very, very close to a modern amateurish style, even as, as a pro. And with somebody like Gilberto Ramirez, you're dealing with the opposite, you know, a guy who, who just has that, that unusually heavy slanted body attack, like, like much more than you even see in the pros. And, and of course you don't see that in the amateurs. So, um, you know, he's not an amateur type guy and you know, he's just a, a, a pro guy, you know, that that's where his pedigree comes from, and uh, that's interesting. And and he's talking about down the road with his size. I don't think it's crazy. I'm not saying how good he's going to be or anything, but but he has even in recent years talked about you know seeing himself finishing up that heavyweight, and and he's 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 starting to look awfully big as a light heavy. Um, I don't think it's ridiculous. Uh, so you know a, a very big. But then in Bivol's favor, I was thinking. Not that the styles are exactly the same, but fought a big light heavyweight Sullivan Barrera when Sullivan Barrera still had more left, who has a lot of who had a lot of skill and some good pop. And um, I thought Sullivan Barrera gave Bivol a better fight than he got credit for. He got stopped in the last round. I mean, Bivol was ahead at the time, but but I thought Sullivan Barrera was winning some rounds. So what I'm saying is, you can look at that two ways. I mean, on one hand. Bivol did have a pretty tough fight with a guy uh, who was a big light heavy who had some skill in Sullivan Barrera, you know, arguably, arguably at that time, you know, when he was more in his prime, better skill than a Gilberto Ramirez, not the same body puncher though. Um, and um, not at probably at his prime, like Ramirez probably is around now. Um, but then the thing in Bivol's favor is Bivol did stop him in the last round. In other words, you know, he was getting a tough fight and, and he found the way and he picked it up in the last round and stopped him. That's, that's where for me, even though Bivol's a heavy favorite, I like some of the things that Ramirez brings with the style matchup, but I have trouble pulling the trigger on him, at least here as of Tuesday on a straight out upset, because, you know, Bivol has enough skill to find a way um, and also, you know, Ramirez's level of opposition, you really look at the point of his career he's at now, and he's been criticized for it some, and as it's gone on, probably rightfully so, uh, not not all the greatest. You know, he's now knocked out the over-the-hill versions of, you know, Barrera and, you know, Unesky Gonzalez. Um, you know, he's... Uh, you know, he, he blew away. Um, he blew away with Coling in that last last fight. I I expected that one. Um, 
you know, he, he just he's just the level of opposition is not the greatest. I mean, Bisbal has been in, you know, he's been in with Canelo. Uh, he was in with a better better version of Barrera. You know, and he fought, fought some of the, the difficult guys, uh, veteran guys like, you know, Pascal, um, you know, Joe Smith, who, of course, brings power. Um, so I, I think he's had the, He's he's had the better opposition as well, but but I just think Ramirez does bring a style challenge that I I think he's definitely a live underdog, and um, I I think he brings some things that Bivol doesn't match up as well with. Um, I think he'll be aggressive and work in that body that you know that that's when Bivol might really start pity padding and really really jumping in and out and not wanting to be in there. And, that, and that, that's where I could see Ramirez possibly having a path to victory if he stays aggressive and hits the body. Um, but there's also a possibility that Bivol can just move in and out and uh, have a little too much speed and boxing skill uh, for him and, and not really let Ramirez unload on him. So I, I do like this fight, though. I mean, this is, uh, this is a good matchup. I mean, if you want to talk of some of the bright spots of 2022 of a, of a fight we are – getting and it's going to be on the zone so it's not at least it's not a pay-per-view um you know if you have the zone this this is a good fight yeah it is and i am happy that zerto finally got you know a big fight like you said he's he's faced some guys that were probably a little past it jesse hart uh was in his prime and those were competitive fights um i do think that the activity, like you said, if he can get all the way on the inside without getting clipped too many times to, to make him a little bit more tentative, that's what I'm kind of looking at, let's say, mid-rounds, four to six rounds. I think that Ramirez will have a lot of success. Uh, and, and can he – you know, we know he can throw a lot of punches. We know he, we don't want him to smother his punches uh, and get too close, but I think he does have to kind of rough him up, you know, and, and – and, be that type of guy that, like you said, multiple shots to the body. And, and uh, he's got a decent jab when he uses it, um, no doubt about it. And I think that can help, too, on the way in. And, and I just think he's got to – he's just got to be that, you know, attack mode pretty much the whole fight and, and crowd him to the point where uh, – not to say that he's just going to lean on him and wear him down that way, but just make it real uncomfortable. So, like you said, he's, he's jumping out after landing some, some shots and not really sit down on his shots because the accuracy, the skill level, the timing, I do think uh, Bivol is the better fighter. I haven't winning it by unanimous decision, but those first three, four, maybe six rounds, I, I'm really going to be plugged in on what Ramirez brings. And, and he has to have, he's got to make it real uncomfortable and, and have uh, Dimitri looking at the ref for help and stuff like that. He really like he, he's shown a high rate, but has he shown like a rough and tumble style enough besides the body shots to to be able to do it for a whole fight? And I do think that his defense is going to get exposed in here. Not that, I mean his defense has been exposed a little bit by some fighters, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it sucks that it took, you know, 45 fights to get this big of a fight for him, but it is what it is. That's in the past. And, uh, uh, you know, he is a big dude. I mean, you're right. The guy's already looking huge at 175, and it's not like he's been there his whole career. So I am looking forward to that fight. 
uh, no doubt about it. Any other items that you'd like to talk about? Maybe something on the undercard. I'm really hoping uh, of that Showtime uh, triple header. I'm really hoping David Morrell gets good quality rounds. I just don't know enough about this guy to think that that's a for sure. Uh, but any I- items that you'd like to talk about undercard-wise or anything like that, uh, there's a good what, women's what, undisputed fight as well that I'm looking forward to on that same card. Kind of was under the radar for me. Um, McCaskill's been pretty entertaining and fighting real well yeah. at an advanced age. Um, I'm surprised she's a, she's a solid underdog. I was looking at that today. Um, that that did surprise me because she, you know, at her age, you would expect it, but but she's just been fighting well. Um, I think she's been fighting well enough that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm surprised she's an underdog. I, I would think she's got a shot at the upset. But yeah, that's a her and Cameron. That that's an interesting fight, and uh, I credit Dave and Morrell where, you know, I've said it before, but it's worth saying it going into this weekend. You know, because people are thinking he's not going to do that this Saturday, but I don't, I've been impressed with the way he's doing it. Maybe he's going to go for it. I'm with you. I don't know exactly what this opponent's going to bring to the table. Records okay. You know, he's undefeated, but even look at the names. I mean, there's one common opponent with Morrell, and he stopped the the guy Allen, and you know, Allen went the distance with Morrell. That doesn't mean that that's uh, Morrell's going to lose Saturday night. But but what I'm getting to is I I like. I actually like it. Some people have seemed to say, oh, well, he, he can't do that Saturday. He won't be able to do that in this one. I don't know. I, I like the way he said consciously in recent fights, hey, I'm going to be entertaining. I'm marketing myself. I'm making the most of these headline spots, and I'm, I'm going in to take people out. And, I mean, you just watch those fights. He's gone in to take people out. I mean, I, I like it. I like it. So I don't think he's necessarily not going to do that, but I'm with you, like, is this guy gonna gonna bring? He's unknown, basically. You know, Kazakh. Is he gonna bring enough that Morel doesn't do? That? I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not automatically assuming he is like some people are. Just you know, just because he's undefeated. Like, like what I'd like to see with this headline spot is you know, maybe Morel at least goes out in those few few rounds, first few rounds, and tries to do it again. In other words, you know, he tries to blitz this guy and get him out and really make a statement and and keep building that name. I, I think. He, he's shown a commitment to doing that. I think maybe he tries to do that, and I want to see if he can do it to this guy. Um, then if not, we know he's got boxing skill. You know, he can pull back and, and try to box to a decision. So uh, that's kind of what's interesting about it to me. Is Morell going to keep blitzing guys like he's been doing lately? Can he do it to this guy? Uh, I, I'd like to see him try. I mean, I, I think that's interesting. I, we know he's got the skill, but I still see him rolling on. I mean, if, if he can't blitz this guy out of there, I think, you know, he just – pulls back and, and outboxes them. So, uh, right. you know, interested in that, in that sense. Um, but just in general, you know, we're, we don't have it this weekend, but barrage of pay-per-views, uh, too many. It's not sustainable. Uh, really, you can just say that. Um, you know, zone. you know, we're hardcore. We're watching fights on it, of course, following it. But, you know, it's not in the mainstream in the U.S. and, from the comments you see on the UK people, from the UK people, it doesn't look like their launch has gone too well over there. I mean, obviously they're off their original business plan was to, you know, just sign Canelo and boxing and, and have that be cheaper than uh, rights fees that they couldn't get for things like the NFL and the NBA and MLB. And they didn't get any of those and their boxing hasn't taken off. So that hasn't worked. Uh, you know, PBC, 
they're getting criticized for it, but it's getting rightfully so now. I mean, you know, they're, they're just running too many pay-per-views out there, probably prematurely for where their guys are at. I mean, it was probably just a little premature. I've said that a lot of times, but got to keep saying it. It probably was a few years before they originally wanted to do that would be my guess right. and felt they had to do it. And, you know, because I got to say, I, I was thinking, and, and this is not a knock on Deontay Wilder. I did kind of want to recap that because I'd mentioned about, I thought, you know, he, he'd probably been at a point where he built his name up in the U.S. and had some, for this era, a couple successful pay-per-views um, against Fury. And when he had last appeared on Showtime against Brazil, you know, regular Showtime, um, his yeah, ratings even were Ortiz, good for uh, Sarah. Two, even though Ortiz or two was like 275, so it was a good Right, number. right. So, you know, but I got to say, everybody knows how to protect their self-interest and now it's been a few weeks. I got to say it, you know, we're not hearing any numbers from what we would consider solid sources. Like in other words, defending what it did. So it, it had to not make, it had to not do well, I would say. Um, and I, I'm not knocking Deontay Wilder like people would. I mean, I'm looking at it as the opposite. Like, this is what I'm saying. This is why I kind of wanted to recap it. You know, if if Deontay Wilder, a U.S. heavyweight with great punching power, one-punch punching power, um, coming off the fight of the year, one of the greatest fights, heavyweight fights you'll ever see, his third matchup with Fury, it, you know, I know it was hilarious. And I agree with the fans who say, well, that, that fight's terrible. It shouldn't do well. Or that's why it didn't do well. Part of it. I mean, one thing you got to give boxing fans or fans in general is, there, is, there still is a little bit of old schoolness to it where if there's truly a good fight, the ratings will come. Like, did you see how Showtime's ratings were up for Charlo Castaño 2? Right, yeah. The best fight they've shown all year. Like, all of a sudden, their ratings were way up. It was regular Showtime. And it was because it was Charlo Castaño 2. In other words, it was a good fight. <laughs> they were actually showing a good fight at 154 pounds that people wanted to see. So what I'm saying is, yeah, I agree with the critics that that's part of it. I mean, I I can't say, you know, with a straight face that like, oh, he's fighting Robert Hellenius. He should draw as much as if he's fighting somebody else. So that's a factor. But still, you, you're Wilder. You just turned 37 now right after the fight. I, again, I'm not being critical of Wilder. This, to me, is a boxing problem. Like, like see, a lot of people that may direct it at Wilder personally, and they're getting it wrong, I think. Like, I'm directing it at boxing, like, you know, especially in the U.S. Like, we got a big problem here as boxing fans. You know, if Deontay Wilder, a brutally hard-punching heavyweight who could knock you out with one shot, who had a couple of, for this era, big pay-per-view showings, and the second one being a fight of the year, one of the all-time great heavyweight fights, and he, and he can't draw a buzz. You know, like, he can't draw a pay-per-view buzz or really kind of a general media buzz. I mean, he trended on Twitter, but you can't go by that. I mean, Twitter's 17% of the U.S. population is on Twitter. And, you know, it's not a poll. It's not anything like that. So you look at it, but questionable as to what that means. That doesn't automatically mean money all the time. So that didn't look to go over well. Um, but you still got now, you know, Crawford's going to do a pay-per-view with Avanesian. That's going to be dead in the water. And even though it's a good fight, I don't think it's getting knocked enough, even though it's a discount, um, because the fight's good, and I think the fight's good. And these are two fighters I like, and in the game, these are two fighters I really like. I mean, you know, you got 
Jose Zapata and um, Progray, but it's going to be pay per view. I mean, who who's going to you know who's and that's a good fight, but but who's who's buying you know with everything else getting floated out there like who who's buying that? I mean, and that's a good fight, then that you know doesn't get seen by a lot of people. So I it's just it's really bad. I mean, I just think it's uh, I think it's really I think it's really bad. Um, and you know if if nobody you know outside of Canelo, I mean, can, you know Canelo can draw. You know his numbers are even down with this zone situation. Um, who who else you know who who else can draw you know who who else can draw like we were looking theoretically if they made certain fights and, and you know they would draw now, now I think you got to start wondering I mean uh, you know have have the names just been not built up enough all around the sport that you know it's now boxing's really in trouble where you know even if you put together some good fights that that they're just not going to draw anymore I mean it's it, it, I think it's a I think it's a big question. Well, when Fox was doing four a year and maybe Gervonta started doing them barely, but hadn't really – actually, I don't think he had done one until him and Leo Santa Cruz 2020. So when they only had four on um, a year, it was easier to do because they were more spread out. They all had – you know, and they were, it was Pacquiao Thurman and Benson Porter and yada, yada, yada. Um, I just think this year it's so hard to do it because there's so many of them. And, you know, I, I still think like Wilder Ruiz would definitely sell um, if marketed properly. Um, but, yeah, this year is just a bad year for it. And in, in general, like you said, Program Zapata, that's a great fight. I love it. Top, two top five 140s, but that's going to be 60 bucks. Like there's so many of them this year, whether it's Showtime, or Fox, uh, ESPN even had one, DAZN's had a few, and then we've had these mid-level $30 to $60 ones. We've had plenty of those, too, so I think it's just, a, it's just overloaded, and I think that's the problem. I don't know if it's, you know, some of these fights will sell, but it, it can't be one after another, or uh, like we had in late April, uh, or mid-April from Spence to White, uh, to Fury White, to Canelo Bibble, to Gervonta, you know, it was like three and four weeks and four in about seven weeks, you know, so I, I think that that kind of, uh, no matter what kind of fight it is, it, it's going to affect most of the fights uh, in general, but yeah, we'll see, you know, how it goes next year and what they decide to put on pay-per-view, uh, cheapening it with matchups like Ortiz and Mar- Martin, even though we, we, we love the, the undercard did they, you know, the Barrios Thurman, we'll, we'll see, you know, what this next year brings when it comes to that. But we've definitely covered that topic a whole lot. Any other items that you'd like to talk about before we uh, get you out of here, sir? That was it, Chris. I just, I wanted to get into that. Uh, I do think there's, there's trouble out there where we're at right now with boxing. I think it just got to be said, you want to be optimistic, but I think there's times you, you, you got to call call reality you know some, sometimes the ship has hit the iceberg and you gotta you gotta you gotta acknowledge you hit the iceberg you know um so uh, i think that's kind of where we're at but you know we got we i do agree with positivity at least for this weekend with uh you know bivol ramirez that's a that's a good real fight so to speak um and you know it's gonna be interesting to see what morale does and the, the cameron mccaskill fight is uh 
interesting as well. So there will be some interesting, interesting stuff this weekend. All right. Well, enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for stopping in. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me as always. All right. Take it easy. Take care. All righty. So some people are asking me to live stream this, uh, this bud thing, but I'm having a little issues with it. And he's already so deep into it that it's not like I can rewind the stream. You know, he's already been on for a while. I've seen some of the quotes from the live stream. Um, so, you know, I can go on there and it might be done. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to live stream it if there's some, you know, the, he's basically telling his side of the story. So we'll get into some of that, whatever. But there is some news overall um, that I do want to get into um, before we shut the show down. Uh, this is Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com. The headline reads, Jesse Bam Rodriguez to campaign at 112. Eyes WBO title unification bouts with Edwards and Martinez. Um, so basically his next step will take on multiple division champs uh, at a lower weight. He is going to, you know, he dropped his belt. He is going down, um, you know, to, to back to flyweight. Um, so, you know, there, there's definitely some big fights for him there. Nakatani, there's some big fights for him there. So that'll be, I think that's a good look for him. Kind of interesting there. Um, and then there was some follow-up here. I heard plenty of people talking about um, that Benavides thing, what I was talking about earlier. And remember, not long ago, Benavides came out and, and said that as long as he gets past his fight in January, that um, that he's got to fight with Caleb Plant. It's not they don't have the contract done and signed because he's still got a fight coming up in January. But um, Benavides made it sound like you know that Plant's next, um, or at least a big fight. But he kept saying Plant. He's been assured that it's a big fight. And then Samson Boxing, his promoter, Samson comes on uh, on Fight Hype. And he said that there's a planned fight in May or June um, with David Morrell Jr., which is a great fight, you know. I, I'm not going to complain about it. That's for damn sure. Um, but it's just so funny because like two weeks ago or something like that, you know, Benavides was saying that it's planned, but I do remember now that I think about it, he said it's a big fight. And obviously, you know, whether it's planned or if Charlo would have come up or whatever, obviously Canelo's the biggest fight, but this is the recording just so you guys uh, can hear what he said about it and what basically that they have a contract ready. We'll see what happened in, in the next couple of fight hype.com, by the way. Fight hype.com. Okay. Would you consider a more difficult fight for David? Would it be David Morrell or would it be David Morrell? Well, uh, with David Morrell, uh, uh, we have a, a contract. 
Uh, if he came victorious, he will fight the Davidis in May or June. Oh, wow. Did you say that? Did you just drop the big nose on it? Wait, wait. Well, could, I, I, I believe so. Could you, could you repeat it, that? Yes. He's supposed to win this fight. That's the tough fight. Next week. Mm -hmm. And if he wins that fight, most likely we will fight with David Benavides in May or June. Wow. Wow. That's and, and, that, and that is a fact. That is a fact. That's what Samson, Samson said. Samson Boxing promoter of David Benavidez says there's a contract and that's who they're aiming at next. So that's a great fight. Like I said, I'm not going to be like, oh, why isn't it planned? I mean, it's a great fight. You know what I mean? So I'm, I've, you know, been following this way too long to uh, get mad at that. It is just kind of funny how he was just saying like two weeks ago and like I said, he, he focused on plan a lot, but he did say it's going to be a big fight. Uh, but it he, like I said, I remember him saying Caleb Plant more than that, which kind of makes me think, okay, so who's Plant going to fight? Is Plant going to fight uh, Jacobs? Because we've heard Daniel Jacobs as a name that might be fighting a PBC fighter, we've heard Jacob Charlo too. Is Charlo going to come up? Um, Andre. Andre said he wanted to stay busy fight. And actually, Samson also said that the reason why they didn't make the Andre fight is because Andre wants a tune-up and then a big fight. So maybe that would be what Caleb Plant would get. Andre. I have no clue. Andre, Charlo. I don't know. I mean... That's the thing, though. The top of the 168 is very interesting, but, man, once you get past the top 10, it falls off pretty damn quick. So maybe they're going to have – maybe they're going to have Plant fall in line, you know, with one of these belts that may come loose, I mean, Parker and Ryder. Maybe he's going to fight the winner of that. You know, I know he's up there in some sanctions. So I don't really know, but – Hey, if that's the fight that he's going to fight, man, bring it on, because that's a damn good fight, him and David Morrell. Obviously, I'm biased because, you know, Morrell fights out of Minneapolis, but I, I, I love that fight. I totally love that fight. Um, so there is some other current fight news. Uh, we'll talk a little bit, you know, a variety of stuff. Um, there was some news last week. This is from like a week ago. Um, so this is Broner who signed with his BLK Prime. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get Broner had. This is really like the only real press conference with a fighter so far. Um, there was supposed to be a press conference earlier today. Neither fighter Crawford or Avenesian. Um, were there. I think Avenesian's manager talked a little bit like he did the week before. We hadn't heard anything really from Crawford since. Now, like I said, he's doing a live IG right now, um, which, like I said, is, it could be almost over, so I'm not going to go live there. He's already said a bunch of stuff, so it, it'd be kind of silly for me to do it, but this is, <laughs> this is Broner, Adrian Broner, and people are already saying, oh shit, Broner and Crawford next year. Um, that's their big fight that they're going to make money on. Um, but this is Broner 
at the press conference of the BLK Prime Aurora. Three fight deal, supposedly the the the, the rumored money three fights for ten million. Jake Donovan did mention on the Jake and Lefty show that um, there's enough money up front to satisfy these. I don't know exactly, but here's Roman. You know, this is very, very, very uh, a special time for me. You know, I'm very grateful because, you know, um, you know, uh, I've been through a lot of situations, and um, that's why I always thank God, and especially for this day to day. You know, uh, I had a lot of ups and downs in the sport, but He always find another way to give me another chance to take over boxing. And um, so I want to, I just want to give, give, give the thanks to the higher up. So. That he's going to take over boxing. Here it is. He does say some funny stuff, though. I want you to hear it. It's funny. And I want to also give a very special shout out to my man Desmond. I call him Uncle Des. You know, um, CEO of Black uh, BLK Prime. And um, I just want to thank him for uh, believing in me and, you know, uh, getting this deal done. You know, um, with I think with, with myself, with my About Beans brand and BLK Prime, I think we're going to take over boxing. And we're going to reach heights that's never done before. And now, I got to call bullshit on that. I mean, they're not going to have a, a $4 million. You know, Bro, Broner's got to be happy with this. Because, you know, we know he, he even makes a joke about how he has some finance issues. So, you know, I'm happy for him that way. So, uh, it's all, it's all going to start with my stablemate, uh, from Nebraska, uh, now my stable mate, we on the same team, uh, Terrence Crawford, <laughs> my boy, he fight December 10th, and I will be in attendance, fresh fly and flashy once again, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, we ain't got $13 no more, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I told my man Desmond that he, he's coming into boxing in a unique time, not only uh, for the fans, but for myself as well. And I feel like he coming at a time when, almost like when Suge Knight went to go get Tupac out of jail with for that $1.4 million, and then Tupac took his company to a whole nother level, I'm going to do the same thing with BOK, you know. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, Terrence Crawford is like Snoop. He already got Snoop. <laughs> and you know I'm like Tupac. <laughs> so after this drop, you know all eyes are going to be on me. <laughs> so, hey, with that being said, man, welcome to Death Row. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about the promoters and the managers all in your video. When you're walking out the dressing room, you, you, you step, you're stepping on shoes. You ain't got to worry about that no more. <laughs> ain't no middleman. <laughs> it's just me and my homeboy, Dez, man. And with about billions and BLK Prime, we taking over the world. So, uh, y'all just get ready, man. It's just getting started, man. Love y'all. That was pretty funny. I like that. How he said the, the Tupac and Death Row, welcome to Death Row. I mean, I don't know about all in the video, though. That's where he lost me because Al Heyman's definitely not all in the video, right? Definitely not all in the video. Okay, so it's already over. It was a 21-minute stream um, on your own. I, I'm not going to go over, try to – go through point by point and stuff like that. Um, now, I will say this. Um, let's go over – I mean, Connor, Ben, it's been funky. 
you know, it was a little confusing as far as why he relinquished, um, you know, his, his, his license and stuff like that. And there, you know, we found out, you know, a few days back that there was a second positive test for Bada, which, you know, Eddie Hearn really slapped down the reports from July 25th. Um, and it came back late August. The second one was from September 1st, came back uh, September 23rd, according to the Sun Sports. So, you know, we've, we heard about the second report or the, the report of the second failed test. But like I said, Eddie Hearn was saying that's a false report. And maybe he didn't know or something like that, but I, I find that hard to believe that he didn't know. So this was – there's just a lot of nonsense around this. But here's some quotes from the star when he says, uh, Connor Ben, basically of the of the, the BBBFC, right, the British Board of Boxing Control, uh, Control, said they got it in for him. They basically, like, they got they're, – they're plotting against me. Um. Now they're talking about a possible food and drink containment. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's talking about he may have got it from eggs, but you really have to go out of your way, you know, to to do that. So there was this, like, he, he, what I mean by out of your way, you got to go and find the farmer and find the eggs you bought and really, you know, there's a lot that goes into proving yourself that way. Eddie Hearn had a, a couple of interviews today talking about that, how, you know, he's really got to bring that to, you know, to, to the, to the, to the fold. Like you really got to say, Hey, I have all this evidence of the contamination. And then like, when you just say it's eggs, that's, that's possible, but, there's a lot of people that eat eggs and it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But he goes on to say, I won't be boxing under the British board ever again. Now I know why my dad ripped up the license on TV. I will never box for them again. Uh, the way they have gone about this, the way they knew about this, they could have pulled the fight. I've given my license back and I won't be boxing for them again. As far as I'm concerned, the, concerned the board can do one. I've got nothing to hide. Um, and, and there was, I guess there was, you know, a, a complaint, basically a, a misconduct charge, misconduct charge against him. According to Eddie Hearn, it didn't have anything to do with the failed test. So their viewpoint is, well, if they're giving me this misconduct charge, I'm not going to get a fair shake when it comes to a, a, a hearing, which I can see that, but I really want to know what this misconduct thing is. But um, he goes on to say, all the fighters who have tested positive have been cleared for fights. Uh, but with me, they left it until days before the fight. Uh, I don't know what their reasons are. Could it be because my dad ripped up his license on TV? I don't know. I don't think they care about my innocence. Um which is like, okay, you know, I don't know. I just, some of these quotes from Connor, it just, uh, he says on the positive drug test, I wouldn't want to fight without being, I wouldn't want to fight without this being resolved. It baffles me that people I think have 
have cheated after seeing me on TV for so long. Uh, what am I? What am I like with my team, family, and dad? Am I a serial liar? Like this whole day, they got it out for me. It says trace amounts. This is from Sun Sports. Trace amounts were fine. Tiniest of traces. It's like trace amounts a very normal thing, though. He said the only thing I can think of is contamination. Why would I sign up for Vada and then take this? If you Google the substance, it stays in your system for months. Do I look like an idiot? It's like, well, you kind of, you know what I mean? You kind of do. But this is what he said. He didn't believe he'd get a fair trial because it was outrageous, the misconduct charge that they put on him, which it's, I don't know. Eddie Hearn uh, told reporters about the positive test, the contamination potential, the levels uh, in this amount surrounded by the other testing that took place would lead to suggestion of, you know, that it was contaminated. But it's still in your system. Um, do, 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 all I could say is misconduct charges brought up against him were not in relation to the doping ban. He felt they were outrageous, bada, bada, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, I, you know, he basically wants a higher court to decide this stuff, and, and he's going to take it to a higher level. That's the way Eddie says it. Um, and then they even brought up, you know, I, I saw people bringing up the Billy Joe Saunders thing, how they didn't, he didn't get banned for out of competition under UCAD. Uh, but UCAD, Connor Ben tested positive for the substance that is banned in and out of competition. So it is different. It's not the same exact thing, the, the way they're kind of making it seem. Um, but he also says that when you take this drug over a period, uh, you cannot test negative three to four weeks after it stays in your system. The experts told me you do not take this substance ever unless you are uh, the biggest brain dead moron on earth, which, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, so it, it's still pretty vague. Um, I'm not going to go too, too much further into it. We'll see, you know, get there, what, what that is. Um, Tommy Fury said, you know, that him and his brother remain unable to enter the U.S. at the present time, but he thinks that he could do 70000 in the stadium over there. Um, let's see. We have some other fight news. Oh, um, Louis, Louis Neri. Pantera put out a tweet that said February 3rd and then deleted it. <laughs> so he's going to fight February 3rd, I guess. Um, and then announced, I think yesterday or the day after or before that, I should say, Munguia is back with a fight. He's fighting uh, not a good fight. November 19th in Guadalajara. It's a 10-rounder middleweight fight. It's going to be on the zone. Gonzalo Gaston Correa. 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 So I've never really heard of this guy. You know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I don't know much about that fight <laughs> or that fighter, to be honest with you. Um, there is some other fight news that we'll get to. There is rumors about Jamal Charlo and Carlos Adamas. 
signed me up for that fight. You know, we one half of the Migos takeoff, or is it three Migos? Uh, or it was, I should say, RIP to takeoff. There was a there was a Halloween party and last night. And Shakur Stevenson was like shoulder to shoulder with takeoff, the guy who ended up getting shot. So that's a, a talk about close call. Holy shit, man. Holy cow. Um, let's see what else we got to talk about here as far as the news goes. Bob Arum did say he's spoken to the representative, representatives of Arturo Beterbiev, and he told me he wants to fight the winner of Dimitri Bivol and, and Gilberto Ramirez to make the undisputed, obviously providing uh, that he gets by Anthony Yard on January 28th. That would be a pretty big fight. Um, Janabek has a fight coming up, according to WBO. They, he has a fight coming up, uh, you know, with Denzel Bentley uh, in a few weeks, November 12th. But they, they basically said – the WBO president Paco said, Hey, I'm going to call for, um, he'll order Janabek as long as he wins that fight or Bentley, I guess you could say, um, that he did the mandatory challenger will be Munguia. So maybe that's why Munguia is just, uh, taking that, you know, quick little fight to, to, you know, to get, get going just to get a fight in. Some good news, the WBA has now officially ordered Erica Cruz to face Amanda Serrano for the undisputed WBO, WBC, of course, IBO, or I mean, WBO, IBF. Um, and, and it's it's pretty rare. I've seen reports in the, in the press release saying it's a rare instance. This is Michael Benson, rare instance of sanctioning uh, bodies ordering a unification. The parties have 30 days. Until December first, uh, December first, then the purse bid. So that's a big, that's a really big fight for Serrano. I'm, I'm definitely happy. Here's some crazy news: former boxer charged with trafficking a billion dollars worth of cocaine through U.S. ports. That that's pretty crazy. Uh, Twenty-two tons. This was the largest, one of the largest cocaine seizures in American history. Former heavyweight boxer um, Goran Gokic was charged by the U.S. Department of Justice on Monday trafficking 22 tons of cocaine worth over a billion dollars. He's a 43-year-old. He was arrested Sunday night at the Miami uh, International Airport while he was uh, boarding a flight to Zurich. Um, He was previously indicted in a grand jury in New York. So he, he's charged with three counts of violating the Federal Maritime Drug Law Enforcement Act, plus one count of conspiracy. Each of the three counts, a mandatory 10-year prison possible life sentence. Uh, the charge dates back to 2019. Um, golly, <laughs> that's, that's pretty intense, I'd have to say. That's pretty intense. Uh, this is Jake Donovan again today, earlier today. Uh, he's told that the purse bid has been uh, ordered for the long-delayed IBF junior welterweight title between Matias and Ponce. Clearly, the IBF has grown tired of waiting 
first been scheduled for November 15th. Title has been vacated since Taylor relinquished it in August. So that, that's an interesting fight. I hope they, they get that done. There's some rumors that Spence and Thurman will be December 17th. Um, you know, we, we've heard rumors of that. We've heard rumors that, you know, he, he's basically, he, that's who he's going to fight next. In fact, um, Spence, he said, announcement coming soon. He said this uh, like two days ago. He said, announcement coming soon. And someone tweeted saying, you know, basically it could have been this guy, but he, he decided to go the other the other way, basically. And, and obviously he's talking about Crawford. He said, it's cool. I'll spin the block, meaning I'm going to hang around, fight one more at this weight class, and then come back and fight him again. So I hope that's what Spence does. Ultimately. Um, yeah, I've been hearing some wild Quote, Fuelu and Roley next. That's what somebody uh, just tweeted me. That's something interesting there. Yeah, I mean, on this, uh, you know, doing a little research, seeing other people's research as well as far as this BLK Prime, this new app that signed Broner and signed Crawford. You know, this Desmond Gooms has – Gums? Gooms? Desmond? He has a lot of – I mean, a lot like several – bankruptcy filings um and actually someone from uh angelo from uh sunday puncher said he he found 11 bankruptcy files on the behalf of gums between 2008 and 2017 um so yeah i mean you know we're still trying to really find out what's up with this and, and who's behind it? We're, we're finding out more and more. He does have a track record of not paying things. I mean, that's just a fact. But we'll see if they can pull it out. Like I said, Jake Donovan did say that some of the money has been given to these guys. Um, I think he's talking about Avenesian. I think he's talking about Broner. So does that mean they already have the money in an escrow? Does that mean... I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe Crawford talked about it in his live stream. I don't know. Some other things Jake Donovan talked about on the Jake and Lefty uh, show on Twitter had to do with the Ryan Garcia fight. And Garcia was pleading his case to the powers that be, especially to Zone, it seems, um, on Twitter. And I talked about I got a lot of slack for this because I, I was making it about Ryan Garcia rather than Gervonta and Ryan. And, and I did mention at the time that Gervonta could apply plenty of pressure to make this fight too. But I'm saying realistically, he's the clean A side. That's just factual, you know. Now, is Ryan Garcia the best B side at lightweight, in, in and around lightweight? Oh, hell yeah. Majorly. That's the biggest fight if both of them have to make terms. But I did say that he has a he has a, a, a possibility. I'm not saying he's going to go insubordinate, but he can make it so. Hey, dude, zone, I'm not signed to you. So if you're trying to make this a joint, he's basically he doesn't want the same Charlo Munguia thing where the managers and the fighters 
or at least the fighter was on board. Munguia had agreed to terms. It sounded like it was going to be a done deal with Munguia coming over to Showtime to fight, not a pay-per-view. But then Golden Boy, you know, Oscar came out and said it has to be a split pay-per-view. Um, the zone wasn't heavy on it, whereas it does seem like this. Well, it doesn't seem like it. The zone wants this to be a split pay-per-view, and you know, their traction so far in the U.S. They've it's never been reported that they've been over a million subscribers. If you see like some of their pay-per-view numbers that they've done, I mean, when Caleb Plant as a B-side is doing more pay-per-view numbers than Golovkin, that's kind of telling you the reach. Okay, this is a business. And I wish joint pay-per-views could happen all the time, right? If it's a joint pay-per-view for any fight, I don't give a shit. I'm going to watch it, right? I don't care about this stuff. But a lot of people say, well, why can't this be a joint? Well, why can't – you know, Showtime's done two joint pay-per-views. These are just facts. And like I said, I go off reality because I know boxing business is a very reality, slappy-in-your-face business, right? We've seen this. so. If they've only done Holyfield, Tyson, and, and Mayweather, Pacquiao, what are the odds that they're, you know what I mean? And they have the clear A side. And they've also been the one, once again, like the Charlo Munguia, they're the ones offering the money. There hasn't, you know, when Eddie Hearn used to say, well, whoever has the best offer, that should be who gets the fight. And that's a true statement. I think that's a factual statement, but... And I'm not saying Eddie is in these exact, you know, he's given his take on it. Of course, he wants a split pay-per-view. But what happened to, I mean, don't you have to put some fucking money up or make an offer to be able to do a split pay-per-view anyway? Like, they haven't offered any money. They haven't put up any money for this fight. So why the fuck would you do a joint pay-per-view if one side hasn't put any money? It's just like the Munguia, except way different. Now, Garcia's bigger than Munguia, but obviously Gervonta's bigger than, than Charlo. Way bigger, obviously, than both of those guys. So this is a key thing that I thought Ryan Garcia was going to do. And a lot of people gave me shit, but here he is doing it. And listen to his words. Like I said, you don't even have to read between the lines. The lines are right in his tweet. He said, I want to fight Tank. Tank wants to fight me. The fight is what boxing needs right now. I accepted all terms on my side and instructed my team to get it done exactly as offered. Key word there, offered. Showtime has been the only side that put up money on this. Okay? So here he is doing exactly what I, I said he, he could do and would do. Garcia wants this fight. He's proving it, and he's saying, hey, dude, and basically saying, DAZN, I'm not signed to you. And you're not, you know, it was offered to me. Why don't you make Gervonta a bigger offer then, you know? Now, I'm not saying, at least you'd show who, you know, some, like, at least you'd show him, hey, we mean business. We want this joint pay-per-view. But like I said, they don't have traction you know i mean if you compare showtime to subscribers you know whether it's standalone or on cable and then cbs paramount some of the stuff they can advertise 
Like I said, we've already seen it, dude. We've already seen the traction that they haven't gotten. And like I said, for someone to just text me, Caleb Plant as a B-side did better than Golovkin. And that doesn't have – Golovkin's a bigger name than Plant, obviously. They did two pay-per-views, one 1.3, one point, and the other one was 1.1. That just shows you their traction that they can't get. So here's my point, okay? This is a little further now with detail on this fight. Jake Donovan said on the Jake and Lefty show that Showtime is willing to give a lot to the zone to be able to have the paper. Okay. They are willing to pay for basically the services of Ryan Garcia to say, Hey, this is about what you'd make. If we did a split pay-per-view, here's the money. You know, we've heard that they're willing to offer them global streaming rights. What does Eddie Hearn and, and DAZN always say? We're the biggest global streamers. Okay, why don't you, besides the U.S., why don't you get, and you know they probably do it, uh, you know, on U.K. pay-per-view. But there you go, DAZN. And by the way, let, let's back this up. Ryan Garcia is big because Ryan Garcia. Golden Boy doesn't have this Instagram. If you sign with us, we can hook you up on Instagram. Being honest, Golden Boy should have credit for credit to do. They signed him. But they haven't made him. I love the way they've matched him. And I love early on, like at the at the old uh, StubHub, how they, they had tickets from like 10 to $70 because they knew a lot of young people were going there. I thought that was a great job. But – the reason why he has millions and millions of subscribers on, on IG is not because of DAZN or Goldpoint. Let's just be honest. You DAZN didn't build up and make Ryan Garcia star. It's just factual, dude. That's not being biased. It's just true. So what stake do you have in Ryan Garcia besides he signed with Goldpoint? I mean, that's not a huge stake to do a – like I said, before when they were they were offering fights right to Charlo and other ones, they didn't say, hey, let's do a split split deal. Or, you know, even when we talked about Wilder and Joshua, and I know, you know, DeZone at the start said no pay-per-views, we're getting rid of them, it's dead and all that. But we didn't hear a split site pay-per-view. We didn't hear, oh, uh, Showtime should get some money out of this because they've had, you know, this amount of Wilder fights or even shit, Joshua. They, Showtime had Joshua for like four or five fights or something like that. We didn't hear, well, they should get some of this money. They should get a split. We didn't hear that shit. When Eddie Hearn talks about whoever makes the best offer should get the fight because it helps the fighters, he's saying the exact truth. I agree with that. I agree with that. But what's different here then? One side has made the offer. That That's factual. If they're willing to give you money, if they're willing to give you global streaming rights, I don't know what the fuck is the problem. So I, I give a lot of credit to Ryan Garcia. He said, how that thing was offered is how I want this fight. And like I said, he's not signed to the zone personally. Now you could say, well, Gervonta's not signed to Showtime. That's fair. A guy like Boots is, right? Boots Ennis is actually signed to Showtime and not with the PBC. But it's all – this. Stuff's only a problem, and, and, and oh, we should do more split sites, and all this stuff comes up only when the PBC has the A side. 
when when the PBC doesn't have the A side and they're you know negotiating, well, you got to go over there. You got you know it, it's it's just the old how the how the business works. Then it's no problem. What the hell's the holdup? What what a, what's the PBC doing, dude? When it's the A side, it's funny how all of a sudden it's kumbaya and oh yeah, man, Showtime should. Of course, it should be a joint pay-per-view, but we don't hear that with the other. And like I said, I don't give a shit about joint pay-per-view or not. But you can't talk business and then say that shit. That's all I'm saying. Like, come on. Um, That's enough, though. I don't want to talk about that. Um, But, yeah, kudos to Ryan Garcia. He said, listen, it's been offered to me. I agreed. Let's fucking do it. Someone just sent me from Pro Boxing Odds, which is a great site, by the way, so you can see all the uh, the different odds from different websites. Devin Haney opens as a favorite. Vasily Lomachenko is a plus 172. This was a couple hours ago. And then minus 225, uh, Devin Haney. Interesting. I thought it would be a little tighter. Anyway, um, uh, there's not a ton more fight news out there for me to talk to discuss okay someone just okay someone just talked about i'll I'll read the the important part of the tweet again ryan garcia okay i want to fight tank tank wants to fight me this is his tweet the fight is what boxing needs right now i accepted all the terms on my side and instructed my team to get it done exactly as offered and i've heard a lot of i've heard a lot of positive stuff de la hoya with this fight too and i and i didn't hear the video but someone sent it to me I, I haven't heard it yet but someone said that he even said you know please allow this to happen or some shit like that i don't know that to be a fact but uh because i didn't hear the video <laughs> so anyway i'm gonna get out of here enjoy the fights you know we have some dry weekends coming up but this one is not a dry weekend. Let's see if Zerto Ramirez can give Dimitri Bivol a run for his money. Because it's not like a big call out here, like I'm going on a ledge. But if Dimitri Bivol wins this fight cleanly enough, he'll be the fighter of the year. Um, like I said, I'm not going on a ledge on that one. But he beat Canelo, for Christ's sake. So that tells you. What... Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy your fight weekend. We'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that.